920 WGN. WGN Sports Central is on the air. Mark Harmon, Kevin Powell with you tonight till 10 o'clock. Sam Smith coming up in about seven, eight minutes as we also are paying attention to the NFL playoffs. And the Houston Texans were down 16 zip and now it's 16 11 and they are driving with 523 to go. KP. You know, I'm watching Deshaun Watson take the Texans down the field, and I know that nobody, well, we don't have to have the Deshaun Watson-Mitchell-Trubisky conversation. Oh, thank God. I thought that's the road you were going down. Well, I'm going down it just a little. It's yeah. not so much that conversation. Good God. Uh, it's the conversation that the one thing that came out of this year as far as, uh, or one of the, I think the the most damning thing that came out this year from all the coverage of the Bears, and Adam Hogue does a phenomenal job doing that at WGN Radio, uh, and everybody else covering it from the Tribune, sometimes the Athletic, all of it. The Tribune with Dan Weeder and Rich Campbell on on how they drafted Trubisky and how the Bears didn't even interview, sit down with Deshaun Watson. It it just it's bothering me right now. Just watching this, like why? Yeah, why, why, yeah. Like how? And 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 and, and you know, I've, I've heard people talk about this in the last in the in the. You know, Ryan Pace hasn't talked since September, right? Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Well, he just had a season-ending press conference. And again, lots of great questions were asked. Uh, that wasn't brought up at all, right? Like, you, and, they, and the Texans just got in the end zone. They're, they're up 17-16. They'll go for two. I don't know how Vegas knows this. And the spread of this is two and a half. They're incredible. But that, that question was not answered. Hey, uh, hey, and, and, hey, uh, hey, Ryan, there was a piece in the Tribune this year that was fantastic, and it said that you didn't even interview Deshaun Watson. Why? What, what was the reason for that as we're getting ready to watch the playoffs and he's in it and we're not? Well, I thought Rick Morrissey had a great question from the Sun-Times, of course. He asked him, what went wrong in your evaluation of Mitch Trubisky, which I thought was a great way of phrasing it. And he says, nothing. Yeah, they're sticking with him. That's why I uh, very much believe Mitch Trubisky is going to be a week one starter. I have little doubt that Mitch Trubisky won't be under center for the Bears week one. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to go down the road of Deshaun versus Mitch and the Mahomes and that whole conversation that was extremely boring and exhausting that people very much enjoyed having for quite some time. It's pretty clear the direction these guys are all going. But I think the conversation, to your point that I think is worth our time, is evaluating the way Ryan Pace evaluates players. Right. That's a real conversation. Right. So I'm down with having that conversation. Right. Um, well, that's the same thing, man. Like, no, how- it's not. Because the, the the conversation of people like Mahomes would be playing like in week three and just tearing it up and everyone's like, Mahomes is better than Mitch. And I'm like, okay. Like, it's clear. It's done. It's over and done with. Right. So, so the question now is, what do they do with Mitch? Can they make him better? How do they make him better? And can Ryan Pace be trusted moving forward to continue to be the general manager, evaluate players, draft players, sign players? Which is why that's the question I'm asking. Just how did it come to be when you were evaluating talent that you didn't interview this guy? I'd like to know how it came to be in your head. Yeah, guy wins a national championship. He's got tons of talent. I mean, the thing is, with all of these guys that, like, you. And hang with me here for a second. I'm not. By the uh, way, I'm not. I, listen, I'm, people are allowed to make mistakes. I make a zillion mistakes. Yeah, but when you're getting paid, it's different. He's getting paid millions of dollars, and he's, this is football. This is the National Football League. So, the thing for me is, look, Mahomes, Watson, and Trubisky. Those three probably have a similar amount of talent. Ooh, I don't know about that, but okay, go ahead. Let's see where you're going. Fairly similar amount. 
Okay, all of there's a lot of guys in the NFL that have similar amounts of talent. You're raw, st- talking about raw if, talent. If we're talking about pure athleticism and who can run the fastest, throw the ball the hardest. Okay, go ahead. Okay, athleticism, talent are two different things, but okay. Um, Mitch Trubisky has all the talent in the world, I believe, to be a good starting quarterback. So what has gone wrong here, and how patient do you remain with Mitch Trubisky? Well, hold on. Let's rewind back to what you just said. With the t- if you, if we, if you, how are you defining I'll play, I'll, I'll, how are you defining talent if you're taking athleticism out of there? I'm curious how you uh, that it factors down. into it. Okay, I mean talent is. I mean the guy got drafted in the and he made it to the draft. I mean this guy was sure. he played D one football. Like this guy has a ton of talent, right? But not executing. He's made throws that show you that he is talented. He can make the throws an NFL quarterback needs to make, a legit starting quarterback. But then he also makes other throws that question make you question everything. So, what's gone wrong here is my question. So, why? Why I believe that they have not found a way to maximize Mitch Trubisky's. Talent and production. It's not all... I'm not saying this is all on Nagy and or Pace. A ton of it, obviously, is on Trubisky. It comes down to the player executing. But Matt Nagy has completely failed, and one of the primary reasons he was brought to the Chicago Bears, which was be the offensive-minded coach, develop the second overall draft pick. And he's not done that for a lot of different reasons. I mean... Look, if a guy's going to be good, I believe he's going to be good. But the quarterback position, the most important position in all of sports, and it probably takes it's it's probably the toughest position to be to be great at in the NFL, wouldn't you say? Uh, yes, incredibly difficult position. You you got to have the you have to have a million different attributes so, to be successful. You got to be smart. You got to be creative. All this, all right. the athletic talent, sure. So they. It's very clear that Matt Nagy has not done a good enough job at helping Mitch Trubisky get to where he needs to be. They knew drafting when they drafted him second overall, which again we can we can criticize Ryan Pace for this. You don't do everything you did on a gamble. Okay, this is a guy who had one year of starting at a high level as a junior at North Carolina, and as most talent evaluators in that piece you're referring to from the Tribune, if you look back, just about everybody had Trubisky one. You know, the, the quote, talent evaluators, draft scout experts, whatever you want to call them. So there were you're lo- telling me that this amount of people, that Ryan Pace did what he did, and that Mitch Trubisky has no talent? I don't believe that. I think he can be a good quarterback. There's no doubt about it. But for whatever reason, whether it's self-inflicted from Mitch Trubisky... Matt Nagy failing to develop the quarterback, failing to put him in a proper position, Ryan Pace failing to help him build pieces around him, not defending Trubisky. Um, it, it's a systematic failure, top to bottom. Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, Mitch Trubisky are all connected. And that's another reason I think you'll for certain see Mitch Trubisky, the starting quarterback week one, unless it just completely turns into a disaster at training camp. So what, what I'm hearing here is that you see a guy... And KP, just for the record, here has been a you. You're a Trubisky believer. No, 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 no. Well, you, you want you, you the second time you've claimed I'm like a Mitch Trubisky fan. I didn't say All, a fan. You, a believer. You wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. Is that fair? I wanted to not go down the road, the dumbass road of the hot take world that we live in, and I don't, I don't. I don't roll in that. This is not fun to me. So I just said, let it play out. This guy we knew right, so, was going to be okay. So you wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Okay. And so, so I, I was just, I was just trying to keep a level-headed mindset the, when it came to evaluating Trubisky and his production. Right now, has he been good? No, he's been awful. 
right. You've been so bad. I, listen, this is not a, this is not a Carm or anyone else. Like, because you like ten minutes into Trubisky's career, were like he stinks. They should have drafted Mahomes. <laughs> yes, I was, and uh, that's what I saw. And I saw I'm seeing Deshaun Watson throw seventy yard bombs on the money. I'm like, this guy's out of his is is mine, right. and we've got this dude who. Clearly looks like it's going to be a scuffle, and so it's, I wish it hadn't played out. I, so I did. That was my take. But and and I also said that look, the guy played better for a stretch here. And to your point, like I think there's something there, and I think it's interesting that you think that if he and and and, and I'm not completely off the, off the ledge that he couldn't be competent if he was coached correctly. Uh, but I I think my biggest thing is like as we've watched him more and more and more and more and heard listen to Matt Nagy talking about how he needs to master defenses. It's like, oh, this it just it's proving out that there's there's something missing up top that he's not computing as well. You listen to Deshaun Watson talk the way he breaks down defenses, it yeah. is impressive. It is, it very much is. Yeah. So there's some no, I agree. I think for I think for Trubisky and like I'm not taking a shot at the guy or anything, but it it when we've seen what he can do when he is playing well, there's something. There's some sort of barrier holding him back. Yeah, and I. It seems to me that right, at least for right now, I'm, I think it's mo- mainly upstairs. Wouldn't Wild Card Weekend be more fun if the Bears were playing? Carm, it's a great game going on right now. We'll keep you updated on. It. Sam Smith's going to join us from the United Center. Seven twenty WGN. David Stern passed away. So each one of these people tells the NBA story. I grew up actually believing that Harry Gallatin was better than Bill Russell because I was a Knicks fan and I love this game. And that's what fanship does when you love a team. But Bill Russell is someone who is special to the NBA in many unique ways. At a time when our sport was under duress because people said it was getting too black, I remember this guy named Russell who played with this other guy named Kuzi, the best basketball that I think ever existed in the world, and it dawned on me that we had something to teach the world. Now that is awesome. That was David Stern at his Hall of Fame speech back in 2014. Mark Harmon, Kevin Powell with you on 720 WGN, and uh, Bill Russell has pinned the tweet on there. I cannot put into words... What the friendship of David Stern has meant to me, but many others. He changed so many lives. David was a great innovator and made the game. We love what it is today. This is a horrible loss. Our hearts are with Diane and their family. R.I.P. My friend, that was Bill Russell. Sam Smith's been covering the NBA. Not quite as long as Bill Russell when he played, but for quite some time. And uh, he joins us now, Bulls.com, at Sam Smith Hoop on WGN. Sam, uh, did you ever get in the crosshairs? Of David Stern, did he ever call up you and yell at you for something that you wrote, perhaps the Jordan rules? Uh, no, he actually didn't. He, he never did about uh, about any of that uh, thing. So everyone has uh, you know, a few Stern stories. Mine, mine are mostly on the pleasant side. Actually, we had that Harry Gallatin discussion because I, I too, was a Knicks fan growing up in New York, uh, watching and remembering Harry Gallatin, but knowing that Russell and Cousy were much better, <laughs> and mostly being frustrated that they lost always uh, uh, to Boston. But um, it, you know, the thing with David was that um, he was so protective of the NBA, and I, and I saw that as a positive. 
there were a couple of times where maybe I took a, a, a morality stand, which may not have been, wasn't so much with Jordan, it was more with Rodman. And Rodman did some of his, uh, you know, some of his crazier things. And particularly the felonious one when he, I, I was I remember that the game when he headbutted the referee. Yeah. And, but you could see it coming. I just remember sitting there. It was in New Jersey uh, courtside, and he he just he was going after that referee early in the game, and then walked up to him and just assaulted him. <laughs> and I I know the Bulls fans were you know enraged. That I think I, I, I recall. I remember Phil was lobbying for like a one game suspension, say, well, you know, the referee wasn't hurt. He continued he continued the game, and I kept saying. Well, if this were anywhere else, he'd be in prison. <laughs> you can't. And so I remember um, writing some things, and David called me and said, "Well, you know, it's entertainment. Don't get so excited." <laughs> but um, most of my uh, interactions with David were really positive and really upbeat uh, because he was such an advocate for the league. But more than anything, and I wrote something about it the other day on Bulls dot com was that, you know, I was not a league employee or anything, but I've been around the NBA for a long time and sort of a tangential thing, a media person relationship. Uh, it, it makes you, it, David always made you feel proud to be a part or around the NBA because the things that his leadership and what he did, not from the business side, but also, you know, the social side he mentioned about, you know, the reputation of NBA with black players, um, you know, also the, uh, the WNBA, uh, the G League, um, you know, the, the things that he, you know, that he did with uh, African-American players. I mean, uh, the community standards, everything that, that he sort of stood for. I, I haven't worked for a, a whole lot of companies where I felt, you know that I was I was so proud of the way the company behaved, and you felt that way around the NBA because of David Stern. I thought that was unusually special. That you know you could be there's a lot of you know you work you need your job for money, support, family, and you don't always agree with the things that your organization does. But I always felt that David had such. Um, and such a standard for what was right and what was just, and that I felt even though I was a small part, it was a great to be a part of that as a result. Yeah, we've had you know when I'm covering Bulls games, Sam, I've had conversations about you how the NBA has always been the most progressive league, and you're touching on that right here. I'm curious, uh, you know, where do you think, as far as just purely growing the game? What's his legacy there? Is it is it getting the NBA players in the Olympics? Is it uh, you because know, you got all these foreign players? Giannis Antetokounmpo tweeting out this week that I would not be in the league, I wouldn't be where I'm at in my life if it hadn't been for David Stern. I mean, is that his biggest lasting legacy in your mind? Well, that also is a great part. You know, immigration has become such a hot button issue, and it wasn't popular in the in, in the NBA either. And frankly, there was this notion around. I, I remember when Drazen Petrovic came, yeah, and he was with Portland, and, and he wasn't playing a lot. And I remember being in the locker room in Portland, and players making fun of him, and you know, saying, "Well, you know, those European guys, they don't shower, and who wants them around?" You know, and, and David said, "No, this is, this is best for the league." And 
this is best to open this up to the world, not just obviously the financial part of it and the business opportunities too, but it's the right thing to do uh, for us, for our people, and, and you know, and, and, and for the world. And, and, and it was. And now you see, you know, Nowitzki, to Donkic, and you know, so many of the great players, and it's made the NBA so much better. But the, the thing to me that that Dave, the NBA was a second-rate sports league. Uh, back into the 70s when they had the merger. And that's really when David sort of started. It was a council. And in fact, I, I've written a book about the, um, the Oscar Robertson suit, which led to the merger with the ABA. And you know, we spent the day with David uh, talking about that a couple of years ago uh, because he was the attorney representing the NBA on that case. And then uh, went to work for the league in 78 and became commissioner eventually in 84. But at that point in 78, into the early 80s, and the NBA, I, I, I remember there was a story, I think in Sports Illustrated, that, uh, you know, that the, that the NBA was too black, white people shouldn't be going to games. I mean, it was incredible, the things that were written about the league. It was, players were you know, drug, it was drug infested, and, you know, obviously, famously, the stories about it, the finals not being, you know, on live TV, tape delay, and the magic, and taking 79 and early 80s. And uh, what David did is really, and, and the league, when they had the salary cap came in in 83, and that was because probably a half dozen franchises were going to fall. The league was in bad financial shape uh, because of this image. And, and uh, obviously, you know, Vision of Bird and Magic coming from the NCAA tournament all helped. And then, of course, Michael. But I, I think David's uh, stewardship of the league at that perilous time when the, when the NBA was viewed. I mean, I, I, I didn't compare with baseball, football, and and probably not hockey as well. And, and uh, it was in limited markets, and to to become the worldwide leader that it had become, you know, the NBA was the first to go around the world, surpassing, you know, baseball and football. Have made, you know, inroads inspired by the NBA. But uh, I would say now you, you look at the NBA and it probably trails just you know uh, NFL. NFL football, which is which is a monster. So David David Stern really recreated an entire sport, and I don't know that any commissioner has ever done that. Well, what's interesting to me the NBA versus the NFL, and the NFL's king, and probably will be you know who knows maybe forever, but. David Stern passed away, and literally the whole league was writing great things about the commissioner. You can't find one guy in the NFL to say something nice about Roger Goodell, and you'd be probably hard-pressed to get people in the NHL to say anything nice about Gary Bettman. Uh, I don't know what baseball players would say about Rob Manfred, but the players loved this guy, even though he was a, you know, a tremendous negotiator and advocated for the owners plenty of times. And I think the NBA players, you know, it's, I mean, Pete Rozelle was somewhat popular, but I think Pete Rozelle's thing, was more, and, and that's the way commissioners most, and I think that's why fans were frustrated, too, that you always felt, and that was the commissioner's job. The commissioner's job, essentially, was to represent the other owners. And I know some NBA owners used to get upset with David about this, that, and it has changed now. You know, Adam Silver more works for the owners. You know, the way David ran the league, and a lot of owners didn't like it, is that they felt they were working for David. But and I think, but that was that's what the players recognize too, and then that's why I think I, you see a lot of that sentiment. You hear a lot of that sentiment is they realize that you know you could go over the head of your own team, 
that you could go to the league, and if there was inequitable treatment or something that was unfair, David Stern would intervene on your behalf. He wouldn't pass it off and say, well, you know, that's your team. He would go to the owner and say, and say you're treating that player wrong. You fix that, or, or, else, or else I'm going to get you in trouble. And I know, I, I know a lot of owners who literally stopped going to league meetings at times, the Board of Governors meetings, because they said, well, David runs the league. Why should I bother to go? Sam, I, before we let you go, I wanted to get uh, at least one Bulls question in here. But, man, uh, I think Bulls fans are fed up. And uh, is there, are there any positives you can take from the season so far? I mean, I actually think there are. It's just they've really underachieved for the first month. And, and I think it was a, sort of a chaotic period in part because of free agency players brought in. There was some instability, you know, as far as, you know, the rotations, uh, new coach. And frankly, you know, even though Jim took over last year as an interim last season, he was really starting at his first time. And I, I just think they, they sort of wasted an opportunity because the schedule was tilted. They're kind of in their favor early that, um, you know, that they could have gotten off to a better, you know, a, a run, and, and they sort of wasted that. And I think that sort of – because there was there was a lot of – and, you know, there was a lot of, you know, not optimism that, you know, Bulls are going to challenge the Bucks or the Lakers or the, you know, 76ers coming in. But, you know, that, that they were a competitive team. They were, you know, after two years of rebuilding the third year to, you know, kind of make a run at the playoffs, that's legitimate. And, you know, picked up a couple of veterans. So it seemed to make sense. And, yeah, I think they've gotten out of that period now. Uh, you know, they haven't straightened out the record yet, but they have played a lot better. They've been more competitive. You know, Mark and Ennis sort of come out of his funk, which I think, you know, he was influenced probably the most by that. You know, done and sort of come on. And Zach Levine has played at a high level, you know, all season. And Kobe White's coming along. And so I think you have some guys to look at. And, and, and I feel like, you know, for the rest of the season, you know, they're going to be that kind of competitive team. And they have been. It's just they haven't, they, they haven't been able to finish the games. And part of that is, frankly, their fault. <laughs> they got to do that, and they haven't. But I, I do think it's a competitive-level team that's not far away from competing for the end of the playoffs. It's still reasonably far away from competing from, you know, serious contention. Sam Smith, Bulls.com, at Sam Smith Hoops. Uh, one last thing before you go, Sam. People are texting. Ask him if he saved MJ from suspension, David Stern. Did David Stern step in because Michael Jordan was gambling? I feel ashamed that I even asked that question because I think it's ridiculous. But to serve our fine listeners, I will do that. What do you say? David Stern was never going to suspend Michael Jordan because realistically, <laughs> I mean, and that was the business part of it. And, and and I know Michael was a little upset about it in the sense that Michael felt there shouldn't have been any issue, you know, because if, after the thing with the Slim Bull or if people remember in 91, there was this gambling weekend that Jordan went on and there was a drug dealer involved and, you know, Jordan wasn't doing anything, but these were I mean, if you go and gamble with people, there's a lot of people who are, you know, not, not nice people who, who gamble. Not so much anymore. 
But anyway, and so, you know, there, there was a sort of an outcry from somewhere about, well, the league needs to do something, suspend Jordan, you know, accountability, which was non David recognized it was nonsense. Michael was a little perturbed at the time. He felt David should have just buried it and said, this is ridiculous, you know, uh, go on your way, nothing to see here. But David played it out. You know, he was a lawyer, you know, sort of went through the process. But he, there was nothing significant that I was ever going to warrant. And then the bigger question is, no, he did not kick Jordan out of the NBA in 93. And, and if, any, if anything, that was probably his greatest regret, that he couldn't keep Michael Jordan, you know, from leaving the NBA between 93 and 95. But uh, overall, it's it, it probably as great an influence on his sport as any commissioner has ever had. We'd have eight titles. Nine, if they hadn't broke up the team after 98, would have been the Spurs in 99. No, nah, they wouldn't have won any more titles, but it would have been interesting. Great to disagree. See you at the United Center. Sam, I love you. You're the best. All right, Mark, thanks. <laughs> Sam Smith, Bulls.com. They would have... You always get giddy when Sam Smith's on. I, I love, love it. Sam it Smith. it like brings you back to your, yes, your my, Bulls my dynasty ch- run. It's the only and... book I've ever read, The Jordan Rules. I've never read any other book in my entire life, 720 WGN. 720 WGN. Is it is it is it uncomfortable how much I like Sam Smith? Um, no, I enjoy it. It's like uh, he's not really a mentor, but the guy you look up to and you get giddy about. You're a big fan of his work, and I mean, he's a little. I wouldn't. Yeah, mentor's not right, but certainly, like I, I would say borderline. I, he's like a media hero to me. Okay, is that weird? Because because of all the. His great work during the and still doing great work, but all, all the access he gave you when you were a Bulls fan growing up, right, right, like the Jordan rules was just an incredible. Like all the Bulls stuff you were consuming during that era, much of it was from Sam Smith. Like all I wanted in life was to be close to Jordan, and that was the guy that it was. was. Outlet. So it was a way like Sam was there. So if I if I became friends with Sam, then in a way I'd be one step closer to Michael. Kind of makes sense. You know, for me, when I first started covering sports for GN, you, you know, you start covering the big um, the Cubs and the Sox and all that, I was giddy about some of the reporters that I was, you know, in the scrum with because that's what, like, believe it or not, us millennials actually did read hard copy newspapers. I used to run out, get the Daily Herald, read a little Barry Rosner action. So if you saw Rosner, you. I told him this story. I finally got felt comfortable enough to tell him. Like you know, you have you were a major influence of me wanting to get involved with sports broadcasting and just media and all all that stuff. And what did he say? He was just he was just like he was cool about it. He's like it's very cool to hear. So Barry, I love Barry Rosner, and as a kid growing up in the Northwest Burbs, Daily Herald. I mean, that's you know that's you got to read it. You know that Barry is deeply, distantly. This is the word I'm looking for related to me. Really, Barry and I have a we how have a, close. It's I couldn't I couldn't connect the dots. It's that far away, but I know that we are related. And Barry, when I first started out way back in the day, Kevin Powell, as we tell stories here, uh, I was I was producing a show called The Naked Truth About Sports, which was on ninety two point seven The Bear out in Arlington Heights. A H. Yeah, so we're talking nineteen ninety eight. Okay. KP was dominating was wherever you were. Nine years old, crushing. Probably it. wearing a Michael Jordan jersey somewhere. Right, right. And that was Jordan's last year. 
with the Bulls. I'm aware. So I'm covering, you know. So uh, you were you you were getting to go to cover I, the game. And I had all the that? I had the full season press pass. I you know. How old were you at the time? 90, 20, 24, 25. Wow. So what we, a dream job for you. Right, right out of college. Covering the dynasty. Covering got the, the microphone. Yep. There's got there, his notepad. There's Sam Smith. There's you know all these guys. There's Mark Gian Greco. There's wow. you know and, the big dogs. I mean every game Luke was Canella's situation. Right. I mean the big guys would come out. Gene yeah. Greco probably even then wasn't probably coming out that all much but Jim Rose was there every night and that, that you know media back then you'd go to cover a Bulls game at halftime they would line up outside the Bulls locker room so so someone could get to Jordan's locker so they go they just go to Jordan's locker and that was it so I was like I'm not going first of all I, I want to watch the game <laughs> right you got a ticket to the game <laughs> yeah I'm not <laughs> like a Bulls junkie like this is sweet I'm not getting in line yeah and to, sitting in a tunnel right and like this the audio that I was getting didn't matter so I would most times I'd be going into the into the visitors and I'd be talking to like a rookie Allen Iverson and have him yell at me, which uh-huh. w- which was very enjoyable. Uh, Allen, do you think that you guys are playoff contenders? It's like the preseason. Then in the year before they'd won twenty six games. What do you think I'm going to say, young yeah. Carm? The season just started. Yes, moron. I think we're a playoff contender. Right. Good point, Alan. You're exactly That's right. Heck you're, of a point. You're, you're, you're playoff you. contenders. But, Mr. Iverson. But I got to, back to Sam, like I got to know him over the years, right? Yeah. And then I did a documentary a while back uh, with Craig Hodges yeah, and, I remember that. and his whole story. And Sam, Sam had me out to his house and he was like the nicest guy ever. And he lives like two hours from here on this like Sam Smith piece of land where he's just like in Sam Smith. I'm like, this guy is just, he's a straight legend. So you got to have him on to talk David Stern. Absolutely. The Chicago Bulls picked Michael Jordan, number three overall. Stern at the microphone, 1984. You remember that day? <laughs> I remember. I remember going to the draft in 1987. They would have the draft at like the Chicago Theater, and they picked. Uh, you know, everybody was fired up that year. They were supposed to pick Johnny Dawkins out of Duke, point guard. We're at the draft. Everyone's thinking it's going to be Dawkins. They get up to the podium. The Chicago Bull. Uh, I forget who was announcing it. It might have been like Les Grobstein announcing it, and and they were, <laughs> and, and it was. Uh, and they said that uh, the Bulls have drafted Brad Sellers, and the boo- the the place went bananas, just straight booze. And then Jerry Cross got up there and said that he's seven feet, but he plays like he's six seven, which is never good for a seven footer. Stories from back in the day. By the way, your Bulls are going to turn it around. Don't worry. There's there's positive. I mean, I can't even get excited about the Bulls even a little bit, Carm. He just like it's pathetic. Sam just t- just teed it up for you, man. They're gonna be. Uh, competing for that eight spot, and real fast as to what's going on right now in the sporting world. Wild card weekend off to a hot start. The Buffalo Bills were up sixteen zip. The Texans came rallying, roaring back, took a nineteen sixteen lead. Deshaun Watson's been great. Two point conversion. The Texans had the ball with under two minutes to go on the Bills thirty fourth and one, and Bill O'Brien. The head coach of the Texans, who is not well considered, and strategy is horrendous. He goes for on fourth and one to end the game. They don't get it. The Bills get the ball back, and now they just kick the field goal, and we're going to overtime. Yep. Anytime I see a playoff kick now, I just expect the ball to hit the post. I don't know. It's just the ripple effect of earlier. The double doink? Last year. Double doink. So, Have good. you gotten over that yet? I mean... I guess, yeah. 
I don't I don't know if like I I sat in on Sports Talk Live yesterday with on the panel. They played that double dunk thing yeah. five different times. Cap started crying. Mm-hmm. I was like, someone's vomiting into the garbage can. I was kind of people get, are shaking in the fetal position yeah. in the corner of the studio. I mean, I was getting uncomfortable. Well, Roe has a little uh, his sound machine and his sound bank here in the studio, yeah. Carm. He constantly will play anytime we reference Parky or the Doink. He's got the sound effect of the, which by the way is still some <laughs> some of the best audio. There it is. <laughs> Do you have the full double Doink? It's just incredible. So he'll play that throughout, and I think it's just since shivers down the spines of Bears fans. Oh, man. What could have been? And then now this season, 8-8. Eight and eight. You know, the thing about the Bears is, okay, how watching them in the throughout the season and the last game against the Vikings, how bad the offense was, how did they win eight games? You know, like, that's how but, tough the NFL is and how such a fine line it is. Like the Bears could have somehow managed to have gone ten and six or eleven and five, despite how bad that offense is. That's a sign. That's you know, and the and the and the defense. um, Look, I know the defense wasn't what they what it was last year, but consider the injuries: Trevathan, Roquan, Akeem. The big Akeem Hicks going down was a major loss. But every single series for the defense, it felt like a it was a must stop situation. You know what I mean? That that's gonna take a toll on a unit. Sure. The defense was good this year. They were fine. The offense, if you look at just about every offensive statistical category, bottom three of the league, bottom four of the league. Kicking was great though, man. It wasn't great. It was solid. Eleven. I, well, you're right. It wasn't great, but it, it ended great. Eleven in a row, man. Eddie. Woohoo! I couldn't believe it. We we really figured out the kicking situation. Hold on a second. If you, 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 I was surprised the vote of confidence they gave Pinier. I'm right. like, really? What are you talking about? He didn't, said he missed. Uh, didn't you lose the Chargers game because of him? Not because of him, but he lo- he missed, and then he they missed. Lost. It was a win. Also, because make a kick, you win the game. Matt Nagy didn't even ask him where he wanted the ball. That was amazing. Too. That was just incredible. I mean, how do you not walk up to your kicker? How do you not know in the first place his preference of the hash? And how do you not just go up to your kicker before that? They also had a timeout to work with, didn't even try to gain any more yardage. Sorry, I'm just going down memory road here, remembering the 2019-2020 Chicago Bears. Well, we got Kevin Fishbane coming up here at uh, 7.15, so we'll get in some more Bears uh, with Kevin at that point. And uh, we teed up a little bit of the Trubisky conversation. Eddie Jackson has signed up. What does that mean? We'll hit up a little Bears talk coming on back here, 720 WGN. All right, 720 WGN. Mark Harmon, Kevin Powell with us, uh, with you tonight till 10 o'clock. KP. First show doing with uh, with At The Carm in 2020. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Did you do anything special on your New Year? Uh, I did. I went to a wedding. You went wedding on New Year's Eve? Yep. Yeah. Where was the wedding? The wedding was at CD and Me down in Frankfurt. Have you ever been there? CD and, and Me. It's a big, uh, just like multi-use banquets, uh, comedy shows. We actually, the Rocancho did our Halloween show from there three years ago. Frankfurt, Illinois. Frankfurt, Illinois. CD Carm. and Me. Frank, CD and Me. So it oh. was. It's actually more and more people are doing New Year's weddings. See, and I actually uh, are you googling it? Yes, I am. It's a great space, great I'm, venue, I'm, okay. a lot of fun. I got it. Um, so I like it because first of all, New Year's Day so much better than New Year's Eve. Are you with me? New Year's Day better than New Year's Eve. I'm with you. 
Yes. New Year's Eve almost always a letdown. Not this what this wedding was a ton of fun. This was a letdown. But New Year's Eve seems to always be filled. It's always a letdown. Like it's it's always people just bickering. What are you gonna do? You gonna get dressed up? You gonna go out? You gonna go to dinner? There's no reservations. So who's gonna host it? It's just never. I think what people really want it to be. New Year's Day, I love. Like New Year's Eve this year, I had a ton of fun because we had the wedding and everything's planned. Didn't have to worry about anything. But wedding day or New Year's Day is always like just post up and day drink and watch football. Imagine how special your wedding day will be in the environment such as this. A wedding day as flawless as its setting with the same attention to details as you enter the gates of CD and me. You find yourself engulfed in beautiful landscaping. Were you engulfed in, in I was so engulfed. You were you were completely engulfed? Super engulfed. The loft with its 32-foot gazebo, bonfire, and rustic reception area. There's a, it's, it's a versatile space. <laughs> you can do a lot <laughs> down there at CD and me. How was the appetizer? Appetizer, we, okay. Appetizer, we had uh, shrimp, uh-huh. full blown shrimp. I was mowing those suckers down, uh, mm-hmm. and then we had some meat skewers, some chicken skewers, uh-huh. some sausage and pep skewers, uh-huh. and then the dinner was family style, and they had this outstanding steak dish. It was like just, it's almost like a fillet, but kind of chopped into big chunks. So you, everybody got like big pieces with yeah. a little red pepper mixed in. Red red pepper situation. There was a little bit of chicken. What about the towering fireplace? Did you notice the towering fireplace? I may have missed the towering fireplace. I was too engulfed in the landscape. I didn't see the towering Maje- fireplace. Majestic fountain? Did you notice a majestic fountain? I noticed the majestic fountain, for <laughs> okay. sure. Okay. Yeah, they do a nice space down there. Who got married? This is my, my brother-in-law's brother. My sister's husband's brother. Sister's husband's brother. Shout out, Pat Aid. Did you, would you say you played a, what would you say your role was in the, were you like 24th man, end of the bench guy, or would you say you were, you know, in the lineup? Um, no, I certainly, I wasn't, no, I wasn't a part of the wedding at all, but. Right, but you, you know, could be a. I'm pretty tight with Pat. Okay, so yeah. I mean. You're, Both I'm, big golfers, we get along. I mean, if Pat was running the club and he was Ricky Renteria, you'd, you'd be what, a, a play 100 games type of guy off the bench? Yeah, sure. Right? I mean, yeah. you're maybe not an everyday guy, but... Not a, an everyday guy, but, but I can step in. Right. Fulfill whatever need he, he needs me to fulfill. Play second, play third. Play second. Little outfield. Utility man maybe on his bench. DH every now and then. Sure. Right. Want to drink some beers? Done. Want to golf? Done. Yeah. Need a fourth golfer? I'm your guy. I went... I went. Uh, I had a rough New Year's Eve. Okay, just, what happened <laughs> at the Carm? Just just so you know. Uh, well, we, 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 we were invited to... Um, well, we weren't invited. We we created a situation with another couple. What so, were you doing? Like a, what, a dinner situation? Dinner, uh, drink, and then dinner. Okay. So I, I I was I was privileged enough to uh, be here in the in the Rocon afternoon. Uh, huh. So so and then then we went right over to the Langham down the street where we got married. And, and congrats, by the way. Thank you very much. And so we met this couple there. Now you go for drinks at the Langham. It's pricey. Uh, it's pricey. So that's a nice spot. Yeah, and we were there for two hours since oh. New Year's Eve, right? Oh, so you're saying you overdid it? Nope, didn't overdo it. I was, I'm a professional carm. Wouldn't go overdue, but what's carm drink? Had one, one. What did I have? One glass of wine and and one cocktail. Okay, very fifty dollars later. Right, right. Well, then there's four of us, so I add that up two hundred. Okay, Bill, we got to go to dinner. Bill comes. Nobody's making a move. Carm throws down the old. Carm throws down the credit. Now. Not everybody was necessarily paying attention at them, but it sat there for a while, and then it was taken. And so now I've picked up for both couples, and so, and like the the, the women who were there tried to throw in, but this dude who I never met 
doesn't go throw it. And then and he was he was at the bathroom when it came, but then he came back and he saw it that he and he didn't make a move. So now I don't know this guy. Not a friend of mine. So this is like a blind double date. Blind double sense. date. So this is your wife's friend. Wife's friend, like but we don't really know. And we're, and we're first meeting the dude. Gotcha. Okay. Are they, are they recently started dating? Is this Re- guy like a new, I think new part of the... Maybe like a three-month deep. Okay, so that's new. Yeah. So he doesn't move, make the move. Not social. even an effort. Not even an effort. So I pick it up. Now, 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 no Car- problem. Now, now Carmen's in for a $200 cocktail. Is it really $200 for your cocktail, though? Yeah. Wow. Okay. 200 Okay. So plus the tip. So now, now we're well. That was with tip and everything. Okay. But so now, so now we're going to dinner, and I, and and there was some conversation, texting in the cab on the way. Did did he throw in? No, he didn't. I'm like, I'm assuming he's getting dinner, right? At this yeah, point, yeah. I mean, where are you going to dinner? We're we're, we're doing an Orzo's uh, Old Town. Okay. You know that's we're going to be roughly around the same thing. It's going to be it's going to be close. Gotcha. So dinner comes. No throwdown. Throwdown, but then. I've got to throw down too. I can't just let him take it. He's got to say no, right? right. He's yeah. got to say no. Yep. I put it's it out etiquette. there. Proper I, etiquette. I put it down there. Takes it. Come on. So we split it. So you split uh, din. Split din. Well, nothing on the cocktail. Din was about two bills. Din was yeah, r- roughly the same. Wow. Like a, that was a so it was a it was a, a plus three hundred New Year's, and it's like if it was my best buddy, I'd be down. Like you know, great. Well, if it's your best buddy. Right, well, that wouldn't have happened, and then, period. Right, because you could just call him out. Be like, dude, what you, come on. But, but what, what, what are you supposed to do here? What? <sighs> See, I, what I, what, my mistake, Carms learned, put it on my own shoulders. Just should have waited when the bill came. Let's, let, let's get a game plan here. Let's get everybody together. Or just do what most people don't do. Like, I've just become a little more, not blunt, but just, just talk. Carms, like, hey, man, want to split this? That would have been good too. Opening up my mouth with communicating. Communicating, Commu- Carm. Com- communicating in 2020 right. is key for all of us. All right, three. One. So like a quick, hey man, you want to split this or yeah. do you want to get dinner? Just something like that. Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. Should I have had to have said, hey, should there have been a communication? Is it on me? And did I like try to? Was I actually trying to be the big shooter that was picking up the drinks or? The cheapskate or, new boyfriend or, 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 into the mix, or do we have a, or do we have a dude who just doesn't know how life works? I'm yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to, yeah, he might not be, he just maybe just didn't, he's not. Maybe good thought at it. it, maybe thought I was like big radio guy. You know, this guy's picking up the tab. Oh yeah, you know that, you know, Carm's on GN. He's he's huge. Right, it's you. Doesn't really. Well, you're right. He doesn't necessarily quite understand the business, perhaps as well as some of us understand the business. Anyway, that was a rough. That, you know, it's always good to be generous. Always, always. What good. Did, so then? I'm sure after the discussion was. So, do you like the guy though? Was he enjoyable? He was seen fine, decent, three star movie. How old is he? I like your age, mid thirties, okay. maybe, maybe a I, nice guy, nice guy, solid all around. Had no problem. Could could go on a long road trip and and make it. Okay, you know we the conversation. Is this your wife's like best friend? Not the guy. Good friend. Good friend. But they're not besties. No, I wouldn't say besties. Okay. But but you know, good situation. Let's see if anybody's weighing in here. The old text line. I, I, I just thought that I did the best that I could here. Yeah, I mean I thought you but, were but, but yet came up short. You were the veteran there. But I think the key here is communication. If you were at the Langham crushing extremely expensive drinks, little cocktail hour on New Year's Eve, gonna be even pricier probably. You maybe just throw out a hey man. Hey, you want to you want to split this? You want to go? Are you just like make it playful? Like, want to go Havsies? Want to go Havsies? New guy? Havsies would have been great. Havsies is good. Havsies would have been great. And of course, he would have said, "Yeah, great, Havsies." He probably would. I mean, if he said no, uh, he would, but he wouldn't have said no. Okay, if he's a decent guy, I mean, no, he would he wouldn't have said no. 
Yeah. But I don't know. Could have just been a miscommunication, lack of communication. See, then you go at the dinner, like, when you didn't go halvesies. You gotta, yeah, you, you got to... That, that, his the, whole thought, like, my whole thought the whole ride of the dinner would be like, I'm getting the check. Hey, by the way, I'm gonna, i got to come... I wouldn't even have said it. I, that's, well, that's the thing. If, I think if the guy was decent enough, he would have been like, all right, he, got the, the he got the drinks. I've... I totally got yeah. dinner. That's on me. Because you gotta you gotta get the sense that everybody on the way over was thinking, who's gonna pay for dinner after this? Or what are we doing for dinner? Right. So you could have so he could have just cut through the tension immediately and be like, Oh, thanks hey, for getting drinks, man. I can get dinner. I'll, I'll grab dinner. I'll grab Appreciate dinner. Appreciate you guys. Boom. Done, out of the way. Yeah. Move on with the night. And that's what I'm saying. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. I I did the best I could here. Yeah, it was but, a better I, move by you just by stepping up, but I felt like the whole situation wasn't really handled well by anybody. Yeah, this is a rough way to start the new year. Rough way? I mean, right. Rough. rough well, well, I was... I'll instantly into financial scarcity to start 2020. Right there. I know the feeling. Yep. All right. Uh, let's get a 30-second little uh, piece of news here, and then we'll get the news for you. 720 WGN. 707. Kevin Fishbane coming up here a little bit after 715 as we'll... Delve into the Bears press conference earlier in the week with Kevin, who covers the Bears for the Athletic. Uh, 1919, by the way, in overtime, Bills and the Texans. One thing we didn't get to there, KP, in my story was uh, the Kevin Powell New Year's Resolution 2020. Did you actually write anything down? I have yet to decide exactly what it is. Um, I'm going to uh, write down. What, what was your? Tw- did you accomplish your twenty to nineteen New Year's resolution? No, no. What, what, what was it? Well, I I put down a million of them. Hang on a second. You want me to pull them up? You got a little notepad? No, no. I I, I wrote the, I I wrote them down, my man. I I put these things in 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 the uh, in the vault so I could re reassess. I didn't know that I was going to be on the spot here. Let's see, New Year's resolution. I know I I the the one that. Uh, I said I was going to swim more. I said I was going to lose 10 pounds. Yeah. No, none of that happened. I said that I would drink more tea and I would have less coffee. That didn't happen. It was, I mean, it was a plethora of, of just okay. things lot, that I did not do. Stuff. Yeah. It was, it was, I came up short, flat out. 2019 was... That's I, okay. I, yeah, it's okay, but you know, it's kind of painful just to think about I had, I had these goals and, and didn't hit them. Like the rest of the world, so right. I, I tried to. I'm making it more simple in 2020. Like what? What are you thinking? I'm th- I want to be clear and current in my relationships with my now wife, my family, uh, bosses. Just I want. I want to. I want to have. Better communication. Better communication. So you would avoid situations like the Langham Hotel two hundred right. cocktail bill on right. the spot for the car. Right now. Random guy, not as focused on the clear and current, but yes, exactly right. Clear and current. I so like I, that. So I don't have, you know, things built up where I where I now want to run away from you and don't want you in my life. I'd rather say what I don't, what I, what my, whatever judgment is, so then we can either have a relationship or not have one. Not just gotcha. not, not, that's that's my thing. You well, like you like that one? I like that a lot. My 2019 was to be more selfish, so it's kind of that too. Just like work on me. Okay. How'd you the, do? the mental component of life. Okay, great. I've never felt better, to be honest with you. So, what I, was the what was the major learn? Um, did you have one? Major learn going through it, I guess, would just be um, probably just being who I am and not giving a crap what anybody else thinks. <laughs> How'd that feel? It feels good. See, I also had some other ones like read more books. Did you? Um, I read now. Not as I want to do a book a month, which 
isn't I think for some not that I know some people try to read a book a week, which is just not going to happen with just not. But I think a book a month. I'm still going to do that. And then of course the obvious, you know, get in shape, get back in the gym, just like for everybody. Right. I mean, so yeah. In the shape, in shape is good, Kevin. In shape, I did lose 15 pounds in 2019, so that was big. You lost 15 pounds. Yeah, I had a lot to lose, Carm. But I also good. that's an impressive. But I also really went hard. And I went hard this holiday season too, but I was challenging my brother to who could lose more weight. Okay. So I bulked up big time like right before New Year because our weigh-in was like, January 6th or something. Strategy. Strategy. So I probably added like five to seven pounds of holiday weight last year. So, so it was like a true 10, 10 loss. So you, you kind of cheated. A little, little, a little bit of cheating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Curtis, you got any New Year's resolutions that we're going to feel on this program? I actually have one of the same that Kevin's has. Uh, read a book once a month. Yeah. Uh, have a few books lined up already that what I'm interested in. What do you in. got? Uh, the Breakaway, that Blackhawks book about the relationship between uh, Rocky Wirtz. Rocky's book? And, yeah, Rocky's book yeah. and uh, his family and uh, how he took over the organization. That's on the list. Supposed to be phenomenal. Um, one that I'm probably not going to read all of because it's it's a massive book, but uh, when Andrea Dollars had her show on uh, Monday nights, we had a gentleman who wrote a book on every cub ever. From every coach, single cup every in the single cup yes uh-huh and from whether it be players coaches all that sort of thing it's a long book but it's cool to kind of just go through and dig through some of that so i might deep dive make a little the- bit of an effort to kind of do a little bit extra research on some of that stuff and it's all alphabetical too it's good down very nice on wgn brand there curtis yeah the darlish show you're keeping in there. I appreciate that. We'll be expecting a full book report from you, Curtis, <laughs> next show. I mean, I, I don't know if I would go deep dive on Darwin Barney, but you know, if, if you want to... Tony Campana <laughs> and, and Tony Cam- Kevin Gregg. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? KP, I mean, we were at the World Series together in 2016. Somehow I feel like that's tied into this conversation. Somehow? He's, he's going li- to... I mean, every single Cub. That's a... That's a I mean, John Lackey. Gotta Favorite learn. Cub yeah. of all time, Carm? You're a lifelong Cub Favorite fan. Cub of all time. Mm. You gotta go. I gotta go. Youth and 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 I, the thing I gotta throw out Sean Dunstan. Nice, good old number twelve. Okay, uh, that you favorite Cubby, favorite Cubs player of all time, Rod Back for sure. Love the shooter. <laughs> shooter was great, man. Ninety eight favorite White Sox. Um, it's tough to decide between like the Canerco era. I mean, it's tough not to say Paulie or Burley too. Burley was just super cool. One of those guys. I'd say Canerco or Burley. And I love Juan Uribe. I think I'm going to stick with old school and, and, and throw Harold in there. By the way, the Texans just kicked a field goal in overtime and have beaten the Buffalo Bills 22-19 in a crazy game where the where the Texans were down 16-zip. So uh, that is game one of your wild card playoffs with uh, New England and Tennessee coming up. Before. Tom Brady's final game? Maybe. Really? Maybe, maybe. Not final game uh, period, but maybe final game in New England. I actually, after we talk to Kevin, I want to have a conversation with you about, uh, and maybe we can punt Kevin to 735. And we can do this coming back here. Brady versus Belichick. Yeah, that's a good one. Let's talk about it. Well, and and I, we'll, we'll talk about it coming back here. But for me, it's, you can have that conversation 
and you can span it against any sport, and the narrative that is out there is just flat-out wrong. We'll do that coming on back here, 720 WGN. All right, Kevin Fishbane is cool. Come up after 7. I have a Packer fan trolling me right now. Saying what? Did you know the Bears could have drafted Watson? I said hadn't heard that. There they are, just poking at KP. I'm, I'm, learning, I'm learning more what you deal with every single day. <laughs> I don't deal with it every day. Why are they trolling you right now? Who is this guy? My cousin. Cousin. All right. Uh, Texans 22, Bills 19. So Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick, are coming up against the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill. Okay. So Patriots five-and-a-half-point favorites. I love New England. People are what respect? What do you mean? I knew like the, the organization. No, I. As far as if you're going to bet the game, if you want to put in the oh, last oh, second, oh, okay. I, 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 you I, think I, Patriots win big? I think the Patriots win big. I think. Did I, you see the Tom Brady hype video? By the way, did not see the Brady hype video. May have to at least play the audio of that eventually. I don't know if it's going to work really on radio, but it uh, certainly will prepare you to run through a brick wall. I can, I can watch it in a break too and get excited. But look, uh, there's this conversation out there with New England that. Going forward, who would you rather have, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? Now, Brady's 42 years old, so you can maybe have that conversation now. But in general, the who is more valuable, Tom Brady and or Bill Belichick? Let's phrase it this way. If you're a Patriots fan, who would you have rather had for the last 20 years? Right. And it's an either-or, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick. Now, I've met anytime I meet Patriots fans, that's the first question I ask them. I've kind of gotten mixed. One guy, two guys. One guy was like, ah, he didn't really give me, he gave me kind of give me a non-answer. Other guy, hard Belichick. And this guy was diehard. He picked me up in an Uber, had a Patriots jacket on, he had a Patriots winter hat on. I go, oh, you're a Patriots fan, huh? He goes, how'd you guess? I go, all your Patriots stuff. I'm like, let me ask you this question. And I asked him the question. And he went Belichick. Right. Now, so- you could make that argument. I mean, you could. Brady, the year Brady missed with an knee injury, they went 10-6? and six? Eleven and five, Matt Castle. Matt Castle. I think they actually missed the playoffs though, still somehow. Um, any other team loses their starting quarterback, they're probably like let's say, um, like Manning in his prime, right? Let's say that Aaron Rodgers goes down in Green Bay. Season's over, right? Let's say that let's say that Brett Favre goes down back in the day. Let's say, let's say Peyton Manning is a cult. My, there's my thing. I, it, it's amazing to me. Who would you rather have, Michael Jordan or Phil Jackson? Right? Yeah. You, you're going to take Mike. Who would you rather? Different in basketball. Okay. Who would you rather have? Let's go old school. Joe Montana, Bill Walsh. Who would you rather have? Uh, a health. Let's go Chicago. A healthy Jim McMahon or Mike Ditka? Who would you? Who would you ra- they won when McMahon was healthy for the record and when he was not healthy they had great records and didn't get over the top because they didn't have their quarterback. Uh, so for me, like I guess it's different because they're the they have the a better perspective as a Patriots fan. For me, it's Brady. The right like, the player is always more valuable than the coach. Yep. This is completely and right. utterly ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, of course it's the player. In every situation, anywhere, don't tell me that Bill Belichick is this god coach. Where he kind of is, though. Yeah, but you're talking about arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. Would you rather yeah. have Dan Marino or Don Shula? I'll take Dan Marino. So, would you? Would you? Peyton Manning? Yeah. Or, come on. Uh, look, I think they they've been what nine Super Bowls have won six of them. Um, I'll say this: they don't win any of those Super Bowls without Brady, but they probably don't get to nine without Belichick. 
Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I get it. In football, there's a, a million different things going on, yeah. on on any given Sunday, and Bill Belichick is a great cheater and way to lead the deflate gate and way to film sidelines and whatever else they've done. But it's it's insane to me that there's this conversation, ooh, Belichick versus... Hey, man, this guy is out here in the gun, in the fourth quarter, leading teams back. You know how many times Tom Brady's led a fourth quarter comeback in his career? I believe it's 26 times. I mean, come on, man. Who would you rather have for the next five years, Matt Nagy or Mitch Trubisky? Right, okay. Well, that's another question. <laughs> Actually, kind of is, well, who would you? Well, so, so okay. Then, then so I went you... on kind of a rant when we started this, this show uh, last hour about how, yes, Mitch Trubisky's been bad, who deserves the most blame? It's Mitch Trubisky. It's still just as Tom Brady. You have to give him the credit because he's performed. It comes down to the players executing, but it also comes down to coaches putting their players into a position to succeed, the best position possible, and help them get better. Mitch Trubisky, it's on him for being bad. Matt Nagy also deserves a ton of blame. So if there's success with a quarterback, I don't know how hands-on Belichick is even with Brady, but it's it's still a relationship. I mean, there's no way the Patriots have this stretch of success without Belichick. Right, right. And you you do need to have a relationship with your coach. I Absolutely, and Bill Belichick deserves credit. But if you had to do the either-or hypothetical situation, it's Brady all day. You take, the, you take arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. It's a fun you, hypothetical. I don't even know how you could possibly not pick Tom Brady. But if you if we do look back at this whole era, it's just it's the greatest dynasty of all time in wh- my opinion. Why is it that Bill Belichick is so revered? Because his team always wins. Right. Right. I get it. But so, he's, he's yeah. A, right. So, just like Vince Lombardi. It, it, I don't know why it bothers me so much, but like, look, they they, and they, they, Hales. they cheat and they cheat and they cheat, and he's got the greatest yeah, quarterback. They're cheating, they're just uh, full blown cheat, full blown cheat. <laughs> Car feels strongly about this. Okay, what do you got? When you're, and you've been told by the NFL, warned, scolded penalized a zillion times and you continue to film the opposing team's sideline illegally yeah i I was just looking for an edge no biggie if you ain't cheating you ain't trying what's wrong with a little deflate the football no biggie it's just, gamesmanship come on Carm. it's gamesmanship come on <laughs> I, you know, just, I mean, why can't you film the other team's sideline anyway? Just took a little. That just seems be, dumb. Yeah, why is that a rule? Everyone there can open their phone and be, film them. Be, look, uh, I, 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 that that rule is perhaps is outdated, but regardless, it's a rule. Yeah, I know. I know. Like, I'm not offended by and, it. And, and the the first one, they were what was it? They were filming practice way way yeah, back, like during Super Bowl. They week. had the they had the tape. You know, Ah, oh, yeah, no. It was just look. If you can, if you can get in the stadium and set up a camera and do all that, and nobody yeah, will ever I know, know. I know it's not a good look. But yet here we are. So let me ask you this question because this will really ruffle your feathers. Better dynasty: Bulls in the nineties or the to this stretch of Patriots football? Nine Super Bowl visits, six Super Bowl wins, twenty years of sustained I, I, success. I, I, I can't, I, I can't have any rational response to that. <laughs> I know. I, I can't I even. Know. I can't even think about it. Um, <laughs> He's disappointing. Curtis, you want to give me an answer? The Bulls of the nineties or the two decades stretch of Patriots dominance? Oh gosh, because um, nobody wants to say the answer. That's the actual real. No, answer. I, I, I actually think it. I would go slightly more towards the Patriots. Just towards the the whole grueling aspect of 
football versus basketball. Need a new producer. I mean, I'm I'm sorry <laughs> to <laughs> say this, but it's obviously a no-brainer. It's the Patriots. See, their dynasty is relative to football. The Bulls are relative to basketball, which is six easy. and eight never happened before. Plus a retirement there for a full year, and then only played seventeen games the next year. So really, it should have been eight out of eight. Then they should have won in '99 if they hadn't broken up the team. So really, they they won every single year in the '90s. If you're talking about what should have happened, did win six. I don't I don't say you can't take Mike, Scotty, Phil, Dennis, Horace, and the entire Chicago Bulls organization. Congratulations to Jerry Reinsdorf. Uh, all right. And t- He's so mad. <laughs> but, but they do have like very similar like awesome. winning track records. Like the the Patriots almost had that perfect season. The Bulls had like the most wins in an NBA season. So, yeah, you the, know, the there's, Patriots. There's pa- very right. big similarities between the two dynasties. Good point, Curtis. Patriots did go undefeated and lost in the playoffs. So much harder to win the NFL than the NBA. Three games in the playoffs, big deal to get to win a Super Bowl. To you get a, I mean, come on. Yeah, but they're one and done. They're not a best of six or best of seven. Divi- sixty minute game. I mean, this for takes forever. Come on, if you can't be the best team on three separate Sundays, that's no big deal. You got to go through four rounds in the NBA. Yeah, like half the teams in the playoffs aren't even good. Right, but you still got to get through them, and then you got to take on the New York Knicks of, and, and Anthony Mason and Patrick. <laughs> and I'm not taking any the Bulls. Yeah, the Jordan Bulls '90s was just off the, ridiculous. You got to get past. John you can St- make an argument for it. John, but. You, yeah, and to your, let me just before we get to Kevin, let me ask ask that one, answer that one question. Are you saying? And I asked this, I think, last week on the show, and I'm, this conversation's going around town all over the place. But you could keep, you can only keep one. You can keep one. Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy. Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, I'd probably keep Mitch Trubisky. You would keep the quarterback. Probably. Now see that that right there. Because that's loyalty. I appreciate it. And it's and, not loyalty. I'm not loyal to anyone. The point is, is if Ryan Pace drafted him. Right. And he's not good. Okay. So maybe so, a new coach could help him. Right. I listen, I, I Who would you keep? I would keep the head coach. Even though, okay, I would, but yeah, I yeah, okay. You know what? At second thought, I might go. I might go Nagy because I, I think during this disastrous season, he's handled it well for the most part. I think, and the team, I think, still has belief. I would, I would tell Matt Nagy. By the way, you are going to hire an offensive coordinator. I want you yeah. to be the head coach. I want you to be the king of culture here. I want you to hold people responsible. I want you to, and I want you to empower people. I want you to empower. I don't. You don't need to be an offensive genius guru for me to be your head coach. I want a guy leading the team who's going to get everybody to buy in. You have done this. They love you. You all your club dub and everything else that you do over there. The guys, they have a certain level of respect, at least I, I think they still do, of the head coach, and then I would empower him to have people below him to make him look good. That's what I would do. Yeah. I'd prob- you're probably right. I'd probably keep Nagy. But, hey, man, I got fingers crossed Mitchell's going to have an incredible 2020. Just get a backup quarterback in case he doesn't. Kevin Fishbane next, 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN. My favorite Bears reporter is Adam Hogue, but sometimes you know Hogue just disappoints you and says he can't come on the radio, and then you got to go with you know number one A. And Kevin Fishbane and I have a love affair that dates back to I don't know. Let's go with Art Aaron at uh, Northwestern Hoops. Kevin, wow, yeah. I mean this KP. Is, go Cats. I mean we've got some, and I, I think that's actually before your Northwestern time. Is it not, Kevin Fishbane? 
Uh, yeah, probably a little bit before. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, Carmen and I go way back. In another life, we were at the same high school. So. That's true, HP. That's, that's Is that not right? That's not. I mean, I was there slightly before Kevin was. Just there. a couple years couple, before me. Carmen. Couple years, no biggie. Well, thank you for welcoming into your uh, your strong bond, your strong relationship here. I'm honored to be a part of this conversation with you two. I, I thought it was. I thought it was important. So, uh, Kev, we've been talking about this. Like, what was true and what was not true from the Ryan Pace uh, Matt Nagy press conference and. You know, we're not sure what we're going to do with the coaching staff. Then they fire four coaches. Then uh, Eddie Jackson's getting a four-year extension. And then, of course, everybody wants to talk about the quarterback. And Mitchell is our starter. But then, you know, a lot of people are thinking, yeah, he is. But they are going to bring in somebody so we can't derail the season. Uh, where are you at on what was real and what was not real? And, and how did you sort of read between the lines of, of the Pace-Nagy experience? Yeah, you know, I think there's two things in mind when it comes to Trubisky. One is we'll learn a lot more about what the Bears actually think about him come March 18th when free agency opens and they can make trades. And, you know, we'll probably, it'll probably get leaked before that who, which quarterback they sign, but that is the day. That's when there'll be another quarterback, you know, on the roster, uh, presumably. So, you know, Based on who that is, that'll help determine what they really think about him. Um, but but the other thing too is even with that said, one thing we know about Ryan Pace is he still has Mitch Trubisky's back. He is committed to Mitch, and there's 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 still a belief there, or maybe a hope. I should say there's a hope there that he can still be something. Um, I think they acknowledge they need a better guy as a backup just in case Mitch is not something. But for now, really, like they, they don't have another option. Like their best chance right now is to still kind of hang their hat on on the idea that that Mitch is going to somehow turn into something that he, we haven't seen him be in his first forty one starts. I just still can't believe we are where we are, where the Bears are eight and eight, one of the most disappointing seasons I think for a lot of for basically all Bears fans with the amount of hype and everybody buying into this season. So I can't believe we're already talking about next year. But I, I would be stunned if Mitch Trubisky's not the Week One starter. I don't know how you feel, Kev. Uh, I'm with you at, at that point. Yeah, I think right now that's still my best guess that he's going to be the week one starter. I mean, you know, there's obviously a lot of different names that they could consider, but but my I still lean towards the idea that they that their number two quarterback. It's not going to be an overwhelming type of guy. It's not going to be someone who's going to win that job right away. But it's somebody who you know you go back to. Um, I, I don't know. Let's go back to that Rams game, right, where, where Mitch came out in the fourth quarter, question of whether he was benched or whether that was injury-related. If you have somebody who's you know, 25, 26 with some upside, who's shown some ability in this league, uh, maybe like a Marcus Mariota, you know, someone like that, then maybe you make that change the next week and say, all right, Mitch is benched and this guy's our starting. You can't do that with someone like Chase Daniel, um, even if you think that Chase is going to run the offense better than, than Mitch did. You just can't make that kind of move with someone at that point in his career. So that's the type of guy I'm, I'm thinking that they bring in number two. Now, of course, you still have to keep open the possibility that Ryan Pace, who has been very aggressive in his time at GM, decides to just go all in with someone like Teddy Bridgewater. I just It's hard for me to see how they would be able to make that work out. I'm very, very interested to see how this offseason plays out for the Bears. Basically, everything you just said, there's also to keep in mind that if if they do go get a guy to back up Trubisky, and Chase Daniel was just kind of felt like, I don't know, a guy to help Mitch Trubisky along. A he was bit. adorable. He was adorable. 
I just wonder if there's a stubbornness next year, just like there was this year. If if Trubisky does come out, let's just say the first three, four games of the year, the offense is incompetent again, would they pull the plug? Would they hit the panic button and bring in whoever they do bring in this offseason? So you're saying you don't trust that they would do it. Well, that's the thing. Like, Why should we have trust in the Bears and the front offense, in, in, in Matt Nagy, in making the proper adjustments if it does become disastrous once again? What do you think, Kev? Well, I think if it, if, if it gets to that point... I think the people in charge, being Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, would have to know their jobs are in the line. Right. You know, so you know, this year they didn't have that. There wasn't a sense that yeah. the two of them um, were were in, were in trouble, regardless of how the Bears were playing. Um, but but next year, you know, you you would think after the, uh, such a disappointment this season, you would think that next year if things start to get start to teeter and you start to wonder if it's going to go off the rails, that they have to realize, hey, our only chance to keep our jobs would, is going to be making a switch to quarterback and then hoping that that quarterback um, becomes something that we, and that we could stick around. Now, you're, you're, you're taking a chance every time we talk about that position. In a different way, Mark Trestman did that in 2014. Of course, no one's going to save their job with uh, a Jimmy Clausen. But that was what Trustman tried to do that year, uh, and it didn't work out. Now, if you have somebody with some, you know, actual NFL uh, experience and actual NFL talent to go to, and you could say, "Hey, look, we understood, we recognized it didn't work with Mitch Trubisky. We put in quarterback B, and it, he turned things around. We can now build something with him. We'll draft a quarterback, but you can trust us because look at how we were able to kind of adapt." So that that that's kind of why I, I I could see a change happening if if something goes wrong next season more so than this season just because you, you have to wonder if you're those guys and, and there's no patience anymore in the NFL um, unless you're Jerry Jones you know you, you got you got you, you you can't you can't think that you, you can't expect to go seven nine eight and eight again and keep your job for 2021. So we're talking to Kevin Fishbane who does a great job covering the Bears for the Athletic. I am a subscriber. You a subscriber? Absolutely. I mean, who's not a subscriber? You got to be a subscriber. Must read stuff. There we Cross go. The board. So there, the, check him out and uh, K, at K Fishbane on Twitter. Uh, I don't think they're in trouble, Kev. I I think it would have to be so f- amazingly bad, like three and thirteen bad. I don't see any real enthusiasm from George McCaskey or 97-year-old now Virginia to move on. I think they were in love or still are in love with Ryan and with Matt and are kind of stunned that they're sitting here that this conversation is out there. So I think they're I think they're one year away from that. However, there is that whole pride thing, right? And and just looking in the mirror and being honest like, "Hey, People miss on quarterbacks. It happens all the time. That doesn't mean I'm a terrible general manager. I missed. It didn't work out. We wish Mitch well, and we're moving forward, and I've done a lot of other good things, so don't fire me for one guy. Yeah, I, I will. Yes, I'll grant you this too, Connor. Like, you're right. They, they do obviously like the general manager. They, they really wanted to work with him. I think, you know, you, you see how the McCaskey family kind of works, and, and I don't think they're different than a whole lot of owners, and they don't want to be the Browns. Right. Where you're shuffling head coaches, GMs, nobody wants that, um, and, and you, you see that patience in Detroit right now. And Matt Patricia's getting another year. Um, you know the, the Giants don't want to be where they are right now, where they're going through another head coaching search. The Bears don't want to do that. Um, the question that, that's going to be asked, though, is is if things don't work out with Mitch Trubisky or whoever else they bring in, and they don't make the playoffs again, you know, are you then giving your general manager a chance? To get another quarterback, and you know it, that that's a tough thing to do. When when and now 
I, I think it's okay to be patient with these guys because quarterback is such a difficult thing to judge. You know, as much as the, the Mitch Trubisky decision gets ripped, uh, you know, most a lot of teams had him number one on their on their draft board. Uh, you know, in, in 2017. So there, there's a lot of different factors that go into this, and, and, and I do think too one thing to re- recognize about this season. I know I know some fans scoff at this. But there's something to be said that, that, that Matt Nagy kept this team together. There wasn't the 2014 stuff that we saw with Trestman where you had crazy things happening in the locker room and, and total upheaval. You didn't have the stuff at the end of the Fox era where it just felt like the team was just kind of laying down. Um, this is a team that really respects their head coach. Um, so if, if he's able to show that again, um, you know that that could, again, keep these guys here for the long term. The ownership does not want to be the type of franchise that makes changes every few years. They love it for for it to work with these guys, um, but this is this is just a it's a type of business where you you really cannot continue to wait year after year after year and continue to miss the playoffs. Do you think they bring in an offensive coordinator and let him call plays? I don't. I don't think they would have an offensive coordinator call plays. I, I, I if you're mad, Maggie. Now let me let me make it clear here, Carm. I see it both two ways. I I could I acknowledge that it might help Matt Nagy, it might help the Bears to have somebody else in here calling plays, but I don't think that's something Matt Nagy would do. And for his own career, maybe it's not something he should do because that that that's something he's supposed to be able to hang his hat on is his ability to call plays. And if he gives that up, um, you know, then he's just kind of playing CEO, which you know it works for other coaches. You know that works for a Mike Tomlin. It works for a John Harbaugh. It lo- works for guys who have had their jobs for a really long time and are really good at it. Um, for someone as young and early in his head coaching career as Matt Aggie, I would be really surprised if he gave that up. I, I, I do think it'd be important to have somebody else in that type of position just to help out with things and give him another set of eyes and ears um, to, to, to fix this thing. Yeah, the job, look, it goes both ways. The, the job of a coach is to put the players in the best position to succeed. It comes down to the players executing and running the plays the way they're supposed to be ran. Now, there was some poor play across the board offensively, but the play calling from Matt Nagy was just absolutely horrendous last season. I couldn't believe what I was watching. How did it get so bad in one season? Because two years ago, I was like, wow, there's this innovative coach. These are some fun-looking plays. It looks like they can succeed with this offense. And then this year, it's just completely disastrous. Yeah, you know, you know, I think the, there's, there's definitely two ways to look at this, uh, depending on how you feel about Matt Nagy. Because you could argue that... His play calling was hamstrung by his poor personnel, right. by the fact that he had a quarterback that just could not operate within his playbook the way he wanted, that he had an offensive line that completely regressed, um, and that there was no running game. And, you know, if you're going to, I think it's scapegoating what happened to Mark Halfridge and Harry Heastan last week, but Matt Nagy would probably make the argument that, hey, those guys were in charge of the run game, and the run game, you know, wasn't working. And that made it difficult for me to call plays. So yeah, it's one way to work at it. The other way to look at it is you're the head coach. You have to structure your playbook to the guys you have. Right. It's up to you to look at Mr. Bisk and say, okay, this is the type of quarterback he is. He does not work in the offense I would prefer, so I need to do this, this, and this to make it work. We saw that in the Chargers game a little bit where it was a completely different type of, uh, of playbook, but then it wasn't consistent in terms of that the rest of the season. So, you know, there – this is going to be quite the next few months in terms of evaluating that and separating how much of this was the quarterback, how much of this was the head coach, 
how much of this was everything else. And, and I think going back to what I talked about earlier, which we'll learn a lot more about how they feel at Mitch Trubisky based on the moves they make, we'll learn a little bit about what they think of the offensive line. Because you've got a couple offensive tackles who have really tough contracts to get out of. Do the Bears bring in competition and, and show a willingness to eat up a lot of money? Or do they think that maybe it was Harry Heastan's fault and they think that these guys can be good again next year? I'm not sure, but that is a position that you really have to watch because you have all five starters under contract for next year. But you know, how can you go into next season and say we're not going to change anything here? Uh, so that that's going to kind of be another position to monitor over the next couple months. Wrapping it up here with Kevin Fishbane from the Athletic. I mean, you made a point in the middle of that. Your job is to run an offense that is suited to your players. I don't think that John Harbaugh, the head coach in Baltimore, Greg Robin, their offensive coordinator, knew they were going to run Lamar Jackson's offense. But they got Lamar Jackson. So you're going to make him, and I'm not saying that Mitchell Trubisky could be Lamar Jackson win the MVP, but you do have to operate with who you have. So to me, that's the that's the offseason. It's not making Mitch this, what Nagy said, I want him to be a master of, of what do you say, master of, of coverage of, of, of master he's he can't do it. You have to game plan for the team you have, not the team you want. He, and the stubbornness from Matt Nagy was very evident this season. He, he's not going to do it. it there's not going to be at least in my mind, there's not going to be some magic light bulb that's going to go on that he's going to figure it out. I, you got to do it to what he can do and and if you can't do it then move on. Um who's if you had to guess Kevin on your way out, who who backs up Mitchell Trubisky? Is it Case Keenum? Is it Marcus Mariota? You got anybody else you want to throw in there? Ooh, yeah, well, you know, with with Helfrich gone, you kind of lose that potential cheerleader for Mariota. You know, I don't really know necessarily what Helfrich's evaluation of Mariota is now. Um, you know, I, I could see somebody like a Case Keenum coming in, be, being maybe being that guy. Um, you know, some maybe who's someone who's a little bit older but has you know good experience to come in and help you out. Um, you know, the one name that's really intriguing and you can't ignore it is Alex Smith. I love that. Now, name. there's a lot of money going, you know, involved in his contract and a lot of stuff Washington we have to sort through um, with that uh, to to make him available. And then you obviously have to figure out, you know, how healthy is he? And you look at his age, um, but but it's you, you can't ignore the fact that nobody probably knows how to run that offense better than he does. Uh, and, and if he's healthy. You know, you know that, and yet that would be somebody that would probably take over the job from Mitch Trubisky if he's healthy. So he's kind of a name that I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens of, over the next you know eight to ten weeks with that position and kind of keeping an eye on someone like him. Um, but you know, this could be you know this really is Matt. You know, Al, Chase Daniel was brought in for uh, you know we saw why Chase Daniel was brought in. This is really going to be the first time Matt Nagy has some influence on the quarterback in terms of somebody that might actually challenge or take over. You know, the Chase Daniel, that was obviously a Matt Nagy move to bring in a guy who knows the offense who will be a great mentor to Mitch Trubisky and can step in um, if needed. This is a new thing now. Okay, now show me the quarterback you want that can run your playbook, you know, and, and maybe even take over for us. So it's kind of going to be a new thing for Pace and Nagy, and we'll see what type of quarterback Nagy wants. Did you read NJ.com this week? You, uh, I did not. Do you know, um, what did I miss? Here's one reality. Quote, the Eagles might not be here if not for Josh McCown. Behind the scenes, the 40-year-old backup has played a vital role in the Eagles' resurgence, both as a confident confidant for franchise quarterback Carson Wentz and as a leader, mentor, and motivator. 
McCown is the adult in the room. And let me give you one more. When McCown arrived in Philadelphia after coming out of retirement in August, no one was more excited than Alshon Jeffrey. The Eagles receiver played with McCown for the Bears and has helped Jeffrey put together his best season ever as a pro. Josh McCown, Kevin Fishbane, Kevin Powell, damn it, are the best quarterback in Bears history outside of Jim McMahon. Bring him back! You know, Carm, this week was the six-year anniversary of the worst day of one of the worst days of your life as a Chicago sports fan when Phil Emery announced the six-year contract extension for Jay Cutler. That's right. That was that was it. Uh, hey, great, Kevin. You're awesome. Great stuff. Love reading you, and we love when we have you on. So thank you for taking time on the Saturday, brother. All right. Thanks, guys, and go Cats. Go Cats. Kevin Fishbane of The Athletic, 720 WGN. 750 at 720 WGN. Mark Carmen, Kevin Powell with you as we're watching... Keeping tabs of the AFC wildcard game. The Titans on top of the Patriots are 7-3, 5-39 to go. Patriots have the football. Any, any major takeaway from our Kevin Fishbane conversation? I, thought them, I, I think that for, I think all of us in some way got to a point where we are all agreeing that it's a widespread blame across the board, top to bottom. Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, Mitch Trubisky. There's just so many spots you can you can point to. Obviously, the quarterback position is the biggest one. Um, and the fact that I think we all were in agreement that Trubisky's going to be the week one starter, right? I am. I, I, I because what are the options out there? Well, they he has to. They have to they get. Have to, it, they got to get it right. You're not going to spend a ton of money on bringing in Teddy Bridgewater or Jameis Winston or any of those guys. So he's listen, he's gonna have to have a great off season. I personally, if I'm Matt Nagy, I would look in the mirror and I would say Matt, you are a great football coach. You have worked really hard to get to this position in life. You deserve this opportunity. Matt, you are not the best person to coach Mitchell Trubisky. You should look to get some support and bring in an offensive coordinator that can make the quarterback better, take it off your plate, and you will do everything, I will do everything I can to support said offensive coordinator to try to get the quarterback to try to get 10 to levels that he couldn't do. Not everybody is meant to coach everybody. You know, Don Cooper, there's, you know, Lucas Giolito last year in the offseason. He went home and he got with his high school baseball coach and he came back and he was great. And Cooper's like, sweet. This guy's way better. It makes me look good. You know, if if they did this, if Trubisky all of a sudden was great and they had an offensive coordinator helped him out and Nagy was running everything, he'd be fine. You don't have to be the guy to, to solve him. Well, I mean, I completely agree. I think for me, what I'd like to see this offseason, my New Year's resolution for the Chicago Bears. Yeah. Is accountability, and basically what you said. Look yourself in the mirror. I think Ryan Pace. They, they all need to reevaluate how they're approaching this entire thing, because something has to change this off season. I don't think there's going to be a ton of personnel change, and honestly, I think they do have. I still believe that they do have a good amount of talent on the team, especially defensively. Um, offensively, the line needs a lot of work. You have a stud receiver in Allen Robinson who somehow was able to churn out production. Every week, despite being in one of the worst offenses in the National Football League, so I think they're fine at running back. 
I know uh, I, some people aren't sold on David Montgomery. They could maybe add a, th- a third running back into that. I'd like another guy in the mix. Yeah, I'd like another guy in the mix too. But Matt Nagy needs to find a way to, to use that guy. I mean, Mike Davis, they, they had. Mike Davis didn't even finish the season with the team. Swing and a miss, strike three. Swing and a miss, strike three. Remember in training camp, we thought run DMC was going to be a thing? Remember that? It was it was Cohen, Montgomery, and, and Davis. Wait, D, yeah, Davis, Montgomery, and Cohen. You well, don't remember that? They had I, shirts made up that said run DMC. It's going to be this three-headed monster in the backfield. I don't know. Somehow, some way, that one slipped past me. Probably because it quickly, like, I think it slipped past everyone after week one. Run like, oh. DMC. Yeah, they had shirts and everything, and they were like a thing. Um, wow, so that's, I, that's rough. Yeah, it's a bad look. And then having like the worst I mean, running game good, in the in the NFL. Good to have dreams, good intention, just didn't work out. Yeah. So I think for me, the biggest thing is accountability and just figuring out how to make Mitch Trubisky work and get something out of him. I don't know if they're ever going to maximize his potential or if he's going to maximize his potential, but you, you can't have anything even close to what last year was. You know, two years ago, they got twelve and four. They had what the seventeenth ranked offense in in the NFL. They were kind of middle of the road. They were fairly competent. They they had some great wins and that were led by the defense, beating the Rams on Sunday night. And that was a big one. And you know, Nagy teed it up in his in the press conference. Well, you know, he's played great in in situational moments like the fourth quarter against the Eagles. He got us down the field and Parkey just missed the forty three yarder. He made a great throw in the Vikings game against their B roster to <laughs> you know, to uh, Riley Ridley that uh, that catapulted us to win number eight in the season. In his biggest moments, in the biggest moments we've had, Mitchell has come through. I mean, he's not wrong though. But he's not. But but you can't let that blind everything, blind you from everything else. All the other blemishes. We're going with a big reach. It's a big reach for sure. And but I think in those situations, like the throw, I kept pointing to the throw. And again, it is kind of a reach, but the throw in the the playoff game against the Eagles to Allen Robinson that got him in position, and that's huge pressure, and he found a way to get them into field goal range. Great conviction. Happened. Got, got him in a field goal range in Denver. Remember the uh, last second throw to Robinson? That was... Um, but I, I think... But for, for me, that's just... Look, this is not me like but glossing that, over his full body of work. But in those moments... You can sense an urgency, and he just looks so much different. Like, why don't you play that way for four quarters? Why aren't you always playing that way? I hear what you're saying. Like, there's moments in time where he looks incredibly capable. Yeah, and you're like, okay, why is this you not happening just, more often? You just did that. You look good when you're out of the pocket. You just threw across your body, and you put it right on the receiver. And, and, and then there are games where it feels like you, you don't even he hear his name for half the game it's like he's just non-existent he's just a ghost and some games it looks like he's he's in control he's playing with confidence he's having fun i also look where he's they show him in around the team it's an hour before the game and he's leading the whole group of yeah, he's fired up he's fired up and he's he's borderline compelling yeah let's go out there let's put it all on the line you don't know when you're gonna get these opportunities all that to and it's like okay there's actually some leadership qualities there. Right. He's got some positive thoughts, and he's in. He seems and it like just it doesn't seem to translate. And then he gets up there on the podium and he talks to the media, and it's the worst experience every single week. <laughs> and you don't think he has a literally one marble in his head? 
it, it's it's baffling. Like, he, I, if, if you're able to have that conversation with all your guys, couldn't you talk to Adam Hogue and Kevin Fishbane and Kevin Powell and and can you know and have a press conference and not be so rattled? And maybe it's just right after the game, and he's. I don't but, know if he seems not, rattled. He talks so fast. And yeah. he just is trying to get out of there, like someone's going to find something out about him, like they're 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 going to get in his closet, and he's going to reveal some deep dark secret. Just take a deep breath. You've talked. I, talk, I, I have given him credit though for. I actually feel like he's handled the whole thing as a pro, like a pro. I mean, considering that the entire town has just lost their mind. He's had a lot on him. That's he's true. A lot on. Him. It's not like he's, and it's. It appears that the, he genuinely does still have the locker room and his teammates. I think so. I think he does. You know, I think they believe in him, and I think to your point of him looking all fired up and pumped up, it this is like everything we hear about him is just he's the best. He's great at this. He works hard. Is this like, why? What is the barrier that is preventing him from being a good NFL quarterback? Well, and there's something there holding him back. And Ryan Pace would say to you that we are not there yet. There are a lot of guys who scuffled at the beginning of their career, especially guys who only played 13 games in college, especially guys who started their career with John Fox as the head coach, especially guys who weren't supposed to play that early, but you signed Mike Glennon for $18 million, and, and he was able to be on the field for four games, and he was thrown in there well before he should have where Patrick Mahomes got to sit for a whole year and learn behind Alex Smith and was in this great quarterback room with Mike Kafka and Andy Reid. And you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't set him up for success. Yeah. You didn't. He wasn't ready to be out there. And then, you, and then after that, you bring in a whole other system and you're asking him to be something that he's not. And, you're, and, and he started, where I actually started to get on his side, KP, was like when he was fighting back this year. Like, hey, I'm not the only person that's having a problem here. It's not, don't point point just at me. You see that offensive line? You see the you see what everything else that's going. You see the tight ends. You see what's going on around. Don't put it all on my shoulders, man. And and I was I was happy that he was actually advocating for himself. Yeah. But you are the quarterback, and it is your job. Got to yeah. Got to point at yourself first for your quarterback. Well, that's the other side. Got to fix the offensive line. Atrocious, Carm. Horrendous. Pathetic. Yeah, that's all true. All right, news is coming up here in twenty seconds, and then. Uh, Coming up here in the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to have a great conversation with Gavin Hagelier, who's a has one hand and he's playing high school basketball and he's awesome, and him and his folks are going to be on 720 WGN. 807-720 WGN. Coming up here in about six minutes, we're going to talk to Gavin Hagelier, Hagelier, excuse me, uh, who is on the freshman B basketball team at Wabonzi Valley High School. KP, did you play uh, freshman hoop? No, I was a wrestler. Did you play all? Did you were you a senior wrestler? Uh, I played football four years, and I wrestled for three. I really only wrestled to stay in shape for football because no sport will get you in shape quite like wrestling. How would you say your wrestling talent? Uh, I was better when I was younger. I went to state in eighth grade. <laughs> um, you went to state for wrestling in eighth grade. Yeah, and then it's in, a solid competitor right there. And then in high school, I really just. Um, I just didn't have the passion for it. Like I said, I was just doing it for football. Football was my passion. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. And you were not. You were a standout offensive lineman for four years. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm just let's let's raise the bar. Well, well three year varsity starter, Carm. Three year varsity team, starter. Team captain. Team captain. All conference. All conference. All conference. All conference. I mean, this that's not this that's not nothing. But so Gavin is an interesting guy. Who we're going to be talking to here. He was born without. 
one of his hands. And his parents are going to be on to uh, Dan. Uh, his parents will be on to Renee is is his mom. Josh is his father, and they will be on to talk about their journey in raising a kid who did not have all the quote unquote advantages of most people that he is competing against. Right? Mm-hmm. And how do you not? My son is no different than than me and or you. Yep. We're, we're not gonna we're not gonna make him think that he has any limitations whatsoever in life he can do whatever the hell he wants to do and i that that right there is some world-class parenting right and this young man is going out there and he's playing high school basketball and that makes you think of guys like jim abbott right one-handed pitcher Mm -hmm. university of michigan pitching the big leagues for 10 plus years i covered a guy by the name of landis anderson who played for the university of st francis out in joliet this guy's playing college hoop with with one hand. He, wow. was, he was ridiculous, you know. Fake. He, he it was able to you know play on the NAI level, which is which is which is not uh, you know on the college level. That's that's big time stuff. But um, he, th- this young man is also known for being just a great teammate, not just making it about himself, but rooting his guys on. If somebody else has to do push-ups at practice, he's he's going to get down there and do them with them. Which I don't know if you did that, KP, when you were on the high school f- field. But I wouldn't. If I was a kid back then, no chance. I'd be standing there watching somebody else do push-ups. Like it takes you to grow up a little bit and, and mature before you realize that that's what a great teammate would do, right? Mm-hmm. And here's a kid that's doing that. That's awesome. I, I great mean, story. You got you, you got to appreciate that. So anyway, he made he's he's making the team and he's a he's a big dude. And they're off to a five and two start and he's he's, he's scoring like uh, he's had some games where he had twelve points, I believe. Um, in a, in, a, in, a, in a victory over East Aurora. Steve Greenberg wrote this in the Sun-Times today, if you want to read the piece. And Steve does a great job doing a bunch of different things, and, and he was able to figure track down the story. Um, so we figured we would follow up and get Gavin on the air. So I just wanted to set that up so we know who we're talking about. Let's, uh, let's, let's talk to Gavin in two minutes on 720 WGN. 720 WGN. We're going to talk to Mom and Dad and young Gavin coming up here. The Halligers are joining us online as uh, young young Gavin is on his way to the NBA. Damn it, Gavin! Congratu- yes. Congratulations on your success, young man. Thanks for being on WGN. Thank you. It's Mark Carmen and Kevin Powell here, Gavin. Now, how old are you for everybody who's learning about you right now? Fifteen. And you're in what year of high school? Freshman. And you're on the basketball team. Yes, sir. And how many hands do you have? One. How did you do this, Gavin? Where did the confidence come from that you can do what every other kid is doing out there and do it maybe better? No ideas. I think it's just the drive in myself. Where where do you get that drive from, Gavin? Is it just um just the competitor in you, just like anybody else who likes to compete and play sports? Yes. So when you were Young Gavin, was it was basketball always your your favorite sport? I mean, wh- wh- when you started to try to play sports and compete, wh- where was that? Wh- was that your number one interest? No, it was baseball. Right, I was baseball. Yeah, I saw some pictures of you wearing the Cub hat. You're you're doing. Were you a pitcher or did you, or did you do everything on the baseball field? I did everything. Okay, 
Except for catcher. That was yeah. one position we never played, but every every other position we, we got some play time in. Okay. Is that is that is that your father Josh wanting to jump in here on the uh on the on the baseball? Yeah, uh, no, yeah, sorry, yeah, I just had to chime in right there. <laughs> Dad, no, it's it's great. Dad, you're you know I I reading Steve's piece. You you guys didn't find out whether you're gonna have a boy or and or a girl and, until uh you know the actual birthday, but you, but you did learn that what whoever was coming out was was not going to have one of his hands or her hands, correct? That's correct. And so. Take us through that because you know every parent wants to be their kid to be quote unquote perfect, right? And then right. you sort of have to adjust that definition, don't you? Sure, go ahead. Yeah, um, I think I'm, I'm this is Renee, his mom, but I think you know we found out when I was pregnant in one of our um, ultrasounds, and it was it was a fear. You know how was how was he going to be accepted? Um, you know, was he going to be made fun of? Is what can he do? What can he not do? Um, when he was first, when we first found out, <clears throat> amazingly, the, the day he was born, um, that all went away. We knew right then that you know th- there was there was nothing going to stop him. So I think just the unknown um, until we actually got to see him was um, it was scary. It was. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think putting it back in perspective, I mean, of, of all the, you know, the plethora of things that could go wrong uh, in that development stage, I mean, missing some digits, missing a hand, overall, his mind was sound, his body was healthy, and we knew that this was just, you know, a limitation that we were going to have to kind of figure out and figure out kind of together. Well, Renee, Josh, gush over Gavin a little bit. Brag about it. It's got to be a pretty incredible to watch his journey. It, it definitely is. Um, Gavin went from being in grade school, <clears throat> excuse me, to being very shy, hiding his arm, didn't want to be involved with his kids or with other kids, you know, going up and playing with them because he was he, he had that fear. So <clears throat> it took. I was on a mission to find um, other kids like him that he could communicate or connect with. And we did, we did find that it was a picnic, um, type thing with other limit, um, kids with limb differences in Ohio that we went to at that time. And from that, that trip coming back, that changed everything. Um, he came back unstoppable from, from anything. Um, now Gavin is yeah every everything that he does we are over the top proud of him um every accomplishment not just because he doesn't have a hand um because of who gavin is he's a very kind-hearted humble young man and um we, we're really proud of him we're proud of everything that he does he puts 150 percent into everything that he wants to do gavin what do you remember about that camp period uh, I remember just kind of like opening the door to get out and just kind of feeling like it was like the place to be because there was people like me and I felt comfortable. And how old were you at that point? Seven. So I'm just trying to like, from your perspective, like when did you know that you were not the same as every other kid that you were, you know, going to 
school with? Like when did that when did that first? Do you have any memories where like you know what this I, there is something different about me? Do you does that memory? Not really. Interesting. Not really. I heard he had a chance. Yeah, I don't think there's any there's any one event maybe that that kind of Gavin had that realization, but I, I know there was uh, maybe something that came up when his younger sister was born, and you know he was seeing that she had both of her hands, and at that time that's when Gavin uh, requested a prosthetic. Uh, we got one from Shriners Hospital. He barely used it; it was cumbersome. Held him back. We ditched it and uh, have never used it since. I heard, Gavin, I heard you ch- had a chance to meet Jim Abbott, who, of course, pitched in the bigs, just a one-hander. Did, did you take away anything from that meeting with uh, Mr. Abbott? Uh, it was more kind of a video. It wasn't necessarily a one-on-one meet-up with him. Okay. Uh, it, was a, it was a camp we were at. He was going to make an appearance. He had some, I think, travel issues that he wasn't able to be there, so it was kind of more of a uh, a video uh, conference, kind of hello, meet and greet type of thing. But so, it was, you know, we, we knew Jim Abbott before that. He was inspirational, but to kind of have him, um, you know, pseudo in person uh, through technology, that was that was pretty cool and, and pretty uplifting. Yeah, we're talking to mom and dad, Renee and Josh, and young Gavin, who's 15 years old and is battling it out on the basketball court. <laughs> Getting you guys are for Wabonzi Valley. You guys are five and two, correct? Is that right, Gavin? Yes, uh, five and three as of this morning. Okay, okay. <laughs> suffered a suffered suffered a tough one today. I got it. Suffered a tough one. It was it was a close one. It was it was a well fought game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where it it says in Steve's piece in the Sun Times that you, you you love being a great teammate, Gavin. Where where did you where did you sort of learn that? Because most kids your age, they're about how many minutes they get to play and how many shots they get. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. You're a young man. That's that. These are okay things, but it doesn't seem like you're about that. No, it's um, it's all about team. Honestly, um, you can't play basketball without a team, and it's not just like everyone says that there's no I in team. Like you gotta, there's gonna be someone that's open, someone that is gonna give you the ball or you give them the ball. It's all about sharing and like taking turns, not taking turns, but kind of like just everyone gets their chance to show what they can do. And I think teamwork is the best way to show that everyone can get the job done, basically. Do you have a favorite player? Uh, Zach Levine, probably. <laughs> Get there. <laughs> Get there. Big, well, Bull, big that, Bulls fans, Gavin? Loyalty. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we can get you on that team. You might be able to help them win a few more games. This, Rough this, season. Uh, do, do, do the Bulls know your story? Does Zach know about that? I feel like you should be, I mean, come on. They got a bunch of Have them meet up. There's a bunch of seats available. Yeah. You know, this is not... not that we're aware of. <laughs> this, is, this is all kind of just uh, starting out of nowhere. We just lived our simple West Suburban uh, life and until uh, Steve got a hold of us and uh, kind of taking us in a different trajectory here. Yeah, well, I, I loved reading your piece. Did, Renee and Josh, you, the parents here, did you have to have any conversations with other parents in the neighborhood and or yeah. people that you see at, at different events and saying, don't yeah. treat my son any different or anything like that? Uh, yeah, actually, when uh, Gavin was starting kindergarten, that was uh, a, a time that we were... It was, it was a big change for us, and, you know, we kind of asked Gavin if he wanted us to 
talk to the parents and let them know about, you know, him only having one hand and that, you know, he's just like all the other kids. Uh, he was, he was all on board for that. And so we, um, first day of kindergarten, we, we kind of had a little impromptu quick speech to the parents, just informing them about Gavin's a little bit different. He's missing his left hand, but you know, he's into all the same things that all your, your sons and daughters are into. And, um, you know, just, just treat them the same as they would treat everybody else. Yeah. Get what- basically to bring awareness to, you know, homes, because I think that, you know, a lot of people don't have those conversations with their kids about being that people are different in different ways. So, um, you know, to this day we have, I have a couple of uh, parents that he went to kindergarten with that still remember that conversation and, and how they, um, we're glad that we had that conversation with the kids because I think, you know, if somebody has blonde hair, somebody has brown hair, well, guess what? Some have two hands, some have one. So um, it's just bringing that awareness to, to the world, basically, because it's something a lot of people don't see every day, and, and we need to be aware of that. And it's also, I'm assuming, kind of an educating thing. Like, look, don't be – you don't need to be acting awkward. There's nothing – Right, just be yourself. Along, there's don't that because people don't know what to do. They they feel like maybe there's maybe they have to, you know, walk on eggshells or something like that. Right, right. And that that was one of the things we kind of clarified is that you know it's okay to ask questions and things like that. But Gavin's line was the touch. He wasn't comfortable when kids would come up and grab his arm and look at it. So it was okay to ask questions and look and all that kind of stuff, but no touching. Yeah, I, Gavin, that bothered you. I would assume it would. Like, hey, what? This is my space. Don't be invading my. I mean, come on. I don't want people coming up and touching me. You're, you're no different, right? Yes. And listen, since kindergarten, Gavin's always been the tallest kid in class. So you know, he could he could kind of tower over them and, and intimidate them a little bit, maybe if they stepped in a little too close. So. Well, it's a, it's an inspirational story, Gavin. You're killing it, man. Good luck this season. Get some more dubs. Sure, we'll do. Hey, Gavin, and before you go, what, what's what's the dream when you think about it all the way out? What do you want to do with uh, with your life? Have you thought about that? Uh, if basketball doesn't go the way if I want it to go, uh, motivational speaking. Nice. That's awesome. I love it. Your college dream? What? What college? Oh, uh, MSU for sure. Michigan State? Michigan State. All the way. Sparty. Carm's got a Northwestern uh, sweatshirt on right now. It's a great choice. Uh, uh, Hold that against them. Well, well, I could could see you being on that bench in some way, shape, or form for Tom Izzo contributing to the Sparty in about four years, Gavin. So keep that... Keep doing what you're doing. I think great things are coming your way. I'm sure everybody else thinks that. Listen to you talk today. So thank you for being on, by the way. And, And to Renee and Josh, really appreciate you sharing about your son. Thank Thanks, you guys. So our pleasure. It, it was our pleasure. Thanks so much. Renee, Josh, Gavin, our 15-year-old. I'm telling you, that guy is going to be on the bench at Sparty. In, all right. In some... You have all the basketball connections. We need to get Gavin in touch with Jack Levine and Tom Izzo. The Bulls should have welcome Gavin to the game. Absolutely. I mean, come on now. Maybe get him some ticks. Yeah, give me a couple couple ducats here. You're, you're at the UC all the time. Maybe like, you got you got some connections in the media relations department. I, 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 I can I can do what I can. Okay, I'll do what I'll do what I coming can. up I'll, big. I'll make a call here. We'll get we'll get Tim Helm on the line here. Bulls in the uh, Bulls are on the court right Celtics. now against against the Celtics. Are they winning? They're it's half down, time. They're, they're losing. Or not nah, third quarter losing by six. Down, yeah. All right. 
Go Bulls. All right, quick timeout. That was, I really appreciate uh, the, the, the Gavins coming on here. They were awesome. And the Hagglers. <laughs> that would be their last game. <laughs> but I feel like they're like the Gavins right now. They're led by Gavin. 720 WGN. High fly ball in the air to left. Cubs strike first. Tape measure shot by Chris Bryant. The way that his swing through the zone, he has that unbelievable lift. And they have been a steady diet of breaking balls. And finally, Bryant says, you know what? I'm going to sit on one. And sit on one, did he? like we're stealing from the uh, great Dan McNeil and Harry Tynowitz right now with that Curtis nice work 28 years old today Chris Bryant he's having a good run minor league player <laughs> of the year NL rookie of the year NL MVP oh and then that whole World Series thing too so three-time all-star never been in trouble quickest cub to 100 homers Gotten married, hits 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 bombs into the Chicago River, entertains the people, loves the city, plays third, plays first, plays left, plays right, just looks good in the Cubs uniform. Perfect pairing with Rizzo. Brizzo's brilliant. So the Cubs apparently are planning on trading Chris Bryant. Are they? I think. Well, they're certainly having discussions about it. It's the reason they're having discussions is because Chris Bryant filed a grievance over his service time manipulation by the Cubs, which we all know the service time was manipulated. He came up the day. The gist of it was he came in, what, was 17 days into the season. If they hadn't done that, if he started the season back in 2015 on the opening day roster, day one, Chris Bryant would be a free agent after the 2020 season. Now they will have control of Chris Bryant through the 2021 season. That changes everything. That's why it's been slow for the Cubs because uh, the grievance could come to us. The results of the grievance will be um, released. Whatever you want to, however you want to phrase it, it's supposed to be soon. Yeah, it's, it's the service time grievance is supposed to be resolved uh, in early 2020. Now, um. We don't know exactly when the decision is going to come down. I'm also very interested to see, like, what if he wins the grievance, Carm? And and they say, you know what? That was complete manipulation of service time. We're going to let him be a free agent after 2020. So, Which is, I don't know if they'd go that far. But what if he does? I mean, he can make a serious case for it. But now, now the... Uh, you know the Cubs could just argue it's a collective bargaining agreement. MLPA should have it should have just been different. The service time, the Cubs the requirements. Cub- so like let's just say this in hypothetical sense. Let's say the the it's resolved. The service time grievance is resolved soon, and we get uh, all of a sudden Monday it says Chris Bryant can become a free agent after the twenty twenty season. Mm-hmm. The Cubs are probably going to trade Chris Bryant if see. If if and I don't even know if that's a real possibility, but they're gonna have they're gonna they're it changes everything. Whatever the whatever comes down through this grievance will change the the way Chris Bryant's future looks with the Cubs. I'm not sure if it actually makes him more or less likely to be traded if the grievance goes against the Cubs because then you then only have less, one, then he's less valuable. Then he's trade. less valuable, yeah. and maybe you just hold you maybe you just ride out the year and hope that uh, you win the whole damn thing, and then and maybe you. 
make a deal at the deadline if you're out of it and get whatever you can. This this is a huge thing uh, as far as his trade value, whether the Cubs have him in control for just this year or the next two years. Now, most people think he's going to have it for two years. But the thing is, the Cubs, Theo, and Jed, Theo, really, have gone to Chris Bryant and his agent, Scott Boris, and they've said, here's a contract offer, 200-some-odd million dollars, We'd love you to stay. Will you sign? And he has said no. Now, he's all, there's also been reports this week that he would like to be here. He doesn't want to go anywhere, but he wants to get paid what a man in Chris Bryant's position with his resume should get paid, which you see Bryce Harper getting 13 years and $330 million. So I don't know if he's going to quite be at that, but it's going to be a bunch of dough to sign him. I just look at it like the Cubs have a new TV network in Marquee. They have bought up all the properties around Wrigley Field. You've got Jenny's Ice Cream over there. You've got Starbucks. You've got Madden's Post that's gone a under. Hotel. R.I.P. You've got the Hotel Zachary. you got a big star. you got a quick taco you, and a mark. you got a big star. You've got the Budweiser sign in right field. You've got the huge scoreboard in left field. You have... Sweets all over the place. You had people who had season tickets behind home plate who got jettisoned all the way down the left field line because they put in club a club thing down there and they didn't take care of the fans at all. You had the same thing happen in the upper deck where they put in the Catalina Club and, and people got booted out of those seats that had them forever because you were going for all the dough. And by the way, it's your club and you are allowed to do all of that. However, when it comes to then paying... A guy who has been a model citizen off the field and has produced at an incredible rate on the field, it seems like he's too expensive. Now, that doesn't really... I just don't get it. What? Why are you betting against Chris Bryant? You've, you've spent, you spent enormous money on Jason Hayward. You spent huge money on you, Darvish. You've... In, You've made other calculated uh, deals that haven't worked out that weren't as bad money-wise, but you're going to let this guy go. I don't... Right? Am I missing something here? Uh, I, I, it, I'm I, with you. I'm I, with you. Like, I mean, plus if you think that you have... That your window is still open. I feel, still think the Cubs can be... Can sure. Battle for the division? Absolutely. I mean, you have Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant... Um. So people, just this whole idea of trade a player, he's going to be a free agent in two years. That's two seasons. Yeah. Right. Like, what do, why do people rush to this? Well, we've got to trade him. He might walk in free agency. So what? Well, Even if he did. So, what if you're competitive the next two years? That's two years of competitiveness. Well, okay, you just teed up another interesting point. Like, so Theo, what I understand... And by the way, they should build Theo a statue. And the guy's been absolutely incredible and broke the Hall curse of Famer, of, my vote. Ha- sure, absolutely. But Theo has said, and, and and maybe Tom too, that they do not have an appetite to go through another rebuild like they did back in 2011, 2012. Not with a new network. Yeah, they they don't <laughs> want to do that. Let me, okay. Let let me let me just bring to light 
one more time. The Chicago Cubs did not win a World Series for 108 years. You know why? Because they were unwilling to go through a painful rebuild, which the White Sox just did, and finally the Sox are setting themselves up to do it again. So, to, yeah, but it, it, you it, play it out. It, it, they're worried that if they, if, if they play it out with K- KB and he gets some contract that they don't think is worthy, that he's going to walk and they're going to get nothing and they're going to end up back where they started before this whole thing, and, they, and they'd be winning 50 games, 60 games, and they'd be terrible again. What's wrong with that? You want to be at the bottom. Just try to be at the top. It doesn't work. Then go to the bottom again. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know why that's become such the norm of thinking for a lot of sports fans. Like, the Yankees are in a different ballgame. I get it. But, like, they're... It's, you, you, okay, you're competing for a World Series, or you're going into a full rebuild? Like, really? Like, well, I, I you wouldn't have some core players that could be here for the next decade. I wouldn't. Well, it's, it's not my money. I pay the guy. So I pay I, him. And I pay. But him. the thing is, Boris is not going to sign an extension. It's Scott Boris. He okay. his, he literally every night goes to bed dreaming about free agency. Well, he he did. They did it. This sure. is this is the this is a big one. Boris and Bryant. The day he got Chris Bryant, he was dreaming of the day free agency hit. And when you can hit it at a certain age, I mean, Bryce Harper. Look at that. Manny Machado. Look what they got. This that's that's crazy 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 money that people aren't going to give an inch on it. 312-981-7200 for as a Cub fan, would it bother you if they let Chris if they traded Chris Bryant and maybe and maybe they'll make a great trade. Maybe they'll get you know two of the top the Braves top prospects cuz Josh Donaldson third baseman is a free agent, chooses to not go there and they get a great return and they don't have to pay Chris Thirty plus million dollars, and it gives them financial flexibility to do a million other different things. Uh, you know, may, maybe from a ba- and maybe I'm too uh, biased towards Chris Bryant. And let's hear and, and and you know, if you go back to when the Cubs beat the Los Angeles Dodgers in six games to win the NLCS, uh, you were you you were there, KP, right? Yeah, we were right next to each other. Right. So they so they beat the Dodgers. They're going to the World Series, and then this was Bryant on the field with yours truly after the end. This might be why I'm slightly biased. Chris Bryant, how does it feel, Chris Bryant? <laughs> I don't know. I can't really put this in the words yet, but thank you. This is uh, the best feeling you know I've ever had in my baseball career. And, you know, there's only one that can top it, and hopefully we can do that. Second year. That's it, and, and you're already here. That's unbelievable. I know. I, I'm so spoiled. I mean, you know, to win 200 games over the past two years and play in the playoffs two years in a row, uh, <laughs> I'm so spoiled. This is unbelievable, and I'm certainly not taking for anything for granted. What's your favorite part about being a part of the group? <laughs> Just coming to the field every day. I mean, it's, it's so much fun. These guys have so much fun. There's different personalities, one, one through 25. And, um, you know, certainly not a, not a dull moment here. You guys would never let on, but down two games to one, was there really just no shake of the team that you guys felt, hey, we're okay? Yeah, I mean, we <laughs> we, we believe. I mean, it, you know, being down two to one, you know, some guys weren't hitting and guys stepped up the rest of the way. And, you know, that's, just, that's, the, that's what this team's been doing. And, um, you know, hopefully we can continue that. Two more. Your favorite thing about playing for Joe Madden? <laughs> you never know what to expect. I mean, he changes up a lot. A lot of fun themed trips, animals on the field. You never know, a pitcher playing uh, left field. <laughs> you never know what to expect. And lastly, the Cleveland Indians. That's up next. Unbelievable, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, 
two franchises who really deserve it, and it should be, they're a great team. We've been watching them throughout the playoffs. They got some uh, unbelievable players, so it should be a, it should be a fun World Series. He sounds so much younger there, doesn't he? Oh my god, in just three years. But he was like, there was seventeen million media there. That hey, was a wild scene. Hey Chris, will you take two minutes with Carm? You don't know, sell yourself short, Carm. I, I don't want to dog myself. I mean, listen, I was I belonged there just as much as anybody else, but it wasn't I wasn't the ESPN camera. It wasn't whatever. And it, he was he's just always been a very very respectful, honest, humble dude who's performed incredibly well. And like, I just don't hear anybody seems to care that they're just going to get rid of one of the key guys to help him win a World Series. Like, why, in the middle, in, what, what did Chris Bryant hit last year? Was it, did he, is he some terrible player now? I know that he's had a little bit of a shoulder deal, but, I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, 31 homers, 77 yeah, 31, RBIs, 77 uh, on a bad team. 282, 382 on base. How many errors do you make playing third base and everywhere else? You got that in front of you? Whatever it was, it wasn't a lot. I mean, come on. Ah, I just have I have a hard time moving on from like I I I want the White Sox to sign Jose Abreu for ten more years. I I want you know bring back Mark Burley, but <laughs> but well, to- I think Michael can still play for the Bulls. I don't I don't want to ever see Taze and Kane move along. There's some of that, and then there's also like the guy's 28 years old. Yeah. You're gonna trade him, and you and you got to make the right trade. I don't know, but the, the, I, I don't. I still like it. There's no way he's gonna sign an extension. Scott Boris is not gonna tell his client to he, some, sign an extension. Some guys have though. Steven Strasburg did. Before I know the Nolan end. Arenado did it. So you, you, they could, he could. Chris, if I'm feel Chris, what's it? What would it take? At what point? What What's the number? Okay. Well, what did Arenado get? Look it up. Google it, Curtis. Nolan Arenado, I got you. Whatever it is, uh, give me the number and let's get it done. Nolan Arenado got uh, $260 million over eight years. Okay, so you go to, you uh, go to Brian and say... He, oh, Nolan got 260 The guy said, put these numbers up. You're right there with him. We'll give yeah, you the same Yeah, but isn't he going to want more than Harper? All right, we'll give you, we'll give you hey, Chris, eight and two seventy-five. He got two sixty. We'll give you two seventy five. You can ski behind seventeen thousand yachts, and you can build it. You can build your own Wrigley Field. Are we good? What about or no? Well, that's not as much as Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper got thirteen years. Chris, you're a little bit older than Bryce. We're not going to pay you till you're forty three. How about eight till you're thirty eight? Is that good enough? <laughs> All right, we'll rip up the last two two years, and we'll give you ten years. We'll give you ten years, Chris, and we'll give you three twenty five. Thirty two and a half million a year. Are we good? He's taking that. And I think if I'm the Cubs, I'd give them that deal. I right ten three twenty five. Boom, book it, sign right here on the dotted line, and let's go play some baseball. Um, I mean, boxing. Yeah, like you see the thing. Okay, when my little rant about rebuilds and how teams approach trading players and moving on from players, like you, you went into a rebuild. Why? So you can build a sustainable team for many, many years to come, win multiple championships, win a World Series. Yeah. Part of that rebuild got you what? Got you, Chris Bryant. Right. Which is a player you want to have for 15 to 20 years. So now you're just going to walk away from it after you went through the rebuild? I know you won, so the, the ultimate goal was achieved. But you, you went through a rebuild to get players like Chris Bryant. You're just going to end it? It's going to end like this? Right. I, I just, okay. 
And the reason, for the record, that you guys are in, the Cubs are in the position that they're in, is they did not add on properly. They've made multiple mistakes, and they've went all in. Justin Verlander wanted to come here, was begging to come here, let him go to Houston, traded Eloy and Dylan Cease for Jose Quintana, who has one year left on his contract, and that just looks horrendous. Uh, I don't know if it looks horrendous. Looks bad. Real bad. Based off of what, though? Based off of Eli hitting 31 homers as a rookie, Dylan sees throwing 95 miles an hour, and Jose Quintana is at best a third starter? Yeah, but his contract makes him much more valuable. Right, but okay. And, and just, Theo has talked, and they needed that flexibility. They did. I, I get. Mean, I mean, imagine Quintana not being in the middle of that rotation. Eating but, innings for them. Right, but they, if they had done the Verlander thing, then you wouldn't have needed him, and then you'd still That's have true. Eloy and Cease. We can talk and about that. Be, yeah. All right. That's it. I feel slightly better. Thank you. And, By the way, it's you know it's uh, just pivoting here for a second. It's not a good sign when the Bears are trending on Twitter and they're not even playing. It's about Trubisky, too. It's Trubisky and Watson and all that. Because <laughs> people watch the football. I knew this was going to happen. People were going to watch the football game, and Deshaun Watson was going to bring him back from 16 nothing down. Or Houston was going to win period, and they see, see, well, it, that is that narrative is not going away, and yeah, all right, quick timeout, seven twenty WGN, fourteen thirteen Titans over the Patriots, twenty three seconds to go here before the half. Derrick Henry looks like if you ever played Madden, the player you create, and he's ridiculous, like six seven. He looks bigger than the lineman, but he's faster than the cornerbacks and the receivers. He looks like something out of a video game. He's unbelievable. And um, they just scored a touchdown, and every single positive, he got every single yard for them on the drive. If you can't stop the run, it could be a little bit of trouble for New England here. I still Tom feel Brady almost just threw a six pick. Yeah, but off the off the fingertips of Z tight end. But uh, fourteen thirteen Titans and uh, Houston. Beating Buffalo nineteen sixteen. The Bills led that game at one point sixteen nothing. So, all right. KP, I was mm-hmm. getting ready for the show yesterday or two days ago, whenever, I think it was, was it yesterday? I think two days, whatever. It doesn't matter. So I get a text from a friend of mine, and she had listened to me filling in, and I had had on uh, one of the owners of the new, uh, one of the weed uh, marijuana dispensaries. Gotcha. And so... She sent me a picture of a receipt from one of her friends who went and bought the Live Sauce Wild Thai, one gram for $67. $67 for a gram? And then a half gram of the Jack... Herrer or Herrer H E R E R for sixty seven bucks. So even sixty seven bucks for half a gram. Even more potent than the Clementines, which I believe are is that the edibles. I think the uh, Curtis. No, you don't know. Um, good job, Curtis. Not knowing. I'm impressed. Sixty four seventy five for the Clementine, and then the incredible strawberry, whatever that is, for another twenty seven bucks. <laughs> So that all comes to $225.75. It's a lot of cheddar. Yeah. Medical standard tax. Here comes the key to this whole thing. $3.95. Local sales tax. $5.64. Local excise tax. $6.77. Now here we go. Illinois sales tax. $14.11. 
All right, let's keep it going. Illinois recreational tax, $6.48. Illinois recreational tax, again, for the infused, $5.40. Illinois recreational tax on THC, the actual uh, component in the marijuana that gets you high, $33.50 for a total tax bill of $75.85 on $225 of overpriced weed for a grand total of $301. And so the tax was like, look at these taxes down here. And I'm sitting there looking at this. I'm like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. I should I should tweet this out. And so I hit the attachment button on my phone, and then I, put, and I, and I, and I hit send to Twitter, and I start writing something up. And then in the middle as I'm writing it, something along the lines of, wow, taxes are pretty steep for this. You, fi- you fired it. Yeah, I but I thought to, but right as I was doing it, and I sent it, and then it was like halfway there, I, I got this this bolt of lightning. Somebody's gonna think that that receipt is mine. Even if it was, who cares? Eh, jobs test for weed. Like I I didn't I it was I didn't want that. So then I hit cancel, and it said it canceled, and I thought, well, phew, didn't send that out. Yeah, I saw it. And then five seconds later, I get a text, or actually it's like five minutes later, I get a text from Kevin like, oh, going all in on the weed there, Carm, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. And now, and I had, and, and other people were writing at me too. Yeah. You thought that I, that you thought for sure that was my purchase, right? 100%. And you, right now you somewhat don't even believe that it wasn't my purchase. No, I believe you. And you do believe me. Okay, You've delivered you. it with conviction. Um, It has been interesting though to see people like on Twitter doing what you were just about to do. Like, oh my God, look at all these taxes. The whole point of making it legal was to tax it. What do you think? They just put them out there for everybody's recreational use? They were like, we should pass, we should allow recreational sale of marijuana. Why? Tax revenue. Cool. Let's do it. Now everyone's like, did you see all these taxes on the weed? Yeah, that's the point of making it legal. But they didn't, people didn't realize it was going to be to this. Well, they should have read about it more. (laughs) It's not surprising at all. I mean, it's Illinois, folks. Buckle up. What do you expect? Tax everything. Do you think we'll see any benefit whatsoever? Eh, maybe a little. I don't know. They'll screw it up somehow. Where's the can I can a property tax? You know what? Property taxes are going down by ten percent because of marijuana. Is that headline coming out next year? Mm, that's a big no, Carm. That's is, a big no. If any, anything, they'll go up. You know what? Parking is going down. Oh no, it isn't, is it? What did they? What's it up to now? Thirteen. It's going up to seven bucks an hour in the prime area of downtown. Yeah. So now we're going to fourteen for two hours. I was listening to Justin Kaufman the other night. He, he summed it up well. So if you're an Uber driving, weed smoking, anybody <laughs> who hands out hangs out in the middle of downtown, they they are coming after you, man. Yeah. Well, with the Uber thing, and like I'm uh, as just about everybody is almost always against taxing or increasing tax taxes on anything, right? Don't we all kind of agree with that unilaterally for the most part? That we don't want taxes. Yeah. To, sure. Of course. Ideally, but like so, I'm willing to pay for yes, certain yes, things. Yes, 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 yes. So, when it comes to the Uber thing, I don't even know if this is going to fix it, but something had to have, something had to have been done to address the congestion downtown. Oh, so you're on board? Well, I don't know if yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm I'm bo- I'm on board for anything that limits the amount of sh- ride sharing vehicles in downtown downtown Chicago. And if you want to go down, because there- if you want to, if you drive on Wacker. Like if you're going west to east on Wacker, good luck. You're dodging rideshare. And look, I'm f- I, I take a rideshare. 
I took a ride share today, but that was in the suburbs. It was easy. There's driveways they could pull into. Downtown, it's narrow. It's congested already. And nobody does like a full-blown pullover. They do this half-assed, like, oh, I'm kind of over to the side. Well, I can't get around you because there's oncoming traffic. Like, the whole Uber thing needs to be rethought, at least in certain areas. It's getting to be unbelie- unbearable to drive downtown. I take a cab downtown. I took an Uber out in the burbs. I got to the metro, took the train in today, took a cab from Ogilvy to 303 Wacker. That's a large amount of effort right there to not drive. That's great. Well, I left my car here last night. Okay. And took the train home. Okay. So I'm like, well, I'm going back, so I'll take the train back in. Okay. Tonight I'll drive my car. Okay. Yeah. It's a good effort by you. So that's my rant on Do ride sharing. You know there's this, this – have you ever taken the boat – you know, there's a boat from the, the old water taxi. Yeah, yeah. That takes you to Wrigley. To the drops you off. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right at the Wrigley, Wrigley building. It's nice. So I don't know. It's whatever. It's too far of a walk. Yeah, okay. I walk sometimes if I do take the train. Like in the summer, it's great. I just take the river walk all the way here. It's been my new one of my New Year's resolutions: more walking. Because yeah. I, you know, I live fairly close to WGN, so for me to get a nice 25 minute walk here clears my head, gets me ready for the. I didn't know you were that close. The big show. Well, River North, not too far. Can can can. Thank you to the lovely wife Chelsea bringing me, you know, bringing me closer to the downtown. I did not area. know that. Cool. Yeah, I'm. I'm. A, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a, always hitting the River North bars. That's where the action's at. Are you really? I mean, sometimes bouncing around. You have you got a scene over there, KP? Got a hit a parlor action. Hit a, always hit, buzzing. Hit a parlor action. I had it. Re, I had it this week. Quick za. It's quick beer. Always a good environment. I yeah. All right. It's, Right in the middle there. You can get to other bars fairly quickly. Just for anybody who was on Twitter this week and saw me put out a receipt, I just want everybody to know here the point of this segment is that that was it not mine. It was not calm. It's not mine. Don't, I, I did have some conversation on the radio about the developments in this state slash city as to the new availabilities. But, but just for the record here, team, as we wrap up that conversation. Sure, 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 sure. If you're going to tax this much... And you're going to charge this much? You're not going to get consistent customers. And the... I have friends who smoke, like, are really into it. And they're like, yeah, I'm totally going to go to the shop. They're like, I'm definitely not going to keep buying my weed from them, though. Right. (laughs) Everyone's going to go check it out, and then it's... I could see kind of quickly dying down. Get a better deal on the black market over here. I'm going to stick with my dealer. That's really going to... Dealers are like thrilled by this. Oh, great. Keep taxing more because I'll still... (laughs) Right. I'll give you a deal. They'll still be able to be in business. All right. News is coming up here, and uh, we got one hour to go on Sports Central. WGN Sports Central, 720 WGN. 9.07, the 9 o'clock hour with you till 10. Carl Amari, Lisa Wolf coming up here at 10 o'clock on 720 WGN. Mark Harmon. Kevin Powell. It's been a fun four hours with you, Carmen. It, a nice, pleasant evening here at WGN. Just having a chat, hanging out, little, you know, little watching a little NFL put football, talking with you. We've we've touched on a ton tonight. We had Sam Smith on, a little David Stern conversation. Talked to Kevin Fishbane about the Bears. Oh, the Bears, by the way, are trending because everyone keeps pointing out the fact that Deshaun Watson, who led the Texans to a comeback victory. And uh, it, it's really amazing. People are, people are is, is it, the whole Bears dynamic of what happened this season, Carm. Really, over the past two years, it's almost like something we haven't like the level of frustration. I just it, right from like I the the day they drafted Trubisky, that was a remember where I was moment. I think it was you. No, I think it was Adam Hogan, Justin Kaufman doing like a draft night special. 
And I remember driving to a specific location, waiting in my car to hear the draft. And I'm like, wow. And I met up my buddies. I'm like, everyone saw each other. And the collective response was, wow. It's like, okay. Um, I did not know. So, so from the point they drafted him to where we are now, it's just been a wild stretch of Chicago Bears football. I didn't know who he was. I remember you. I okay. I also remember you doing a sports show in the afternoon. I can't remember who you were talking to, but you guys had like a draft expert on, and you guys were talking, and and someone goes, "Yeah, well, where do you think the Bears are going to go? We got Watson, Mahomes, uh, a kid from North Carolina." I remember yeah. that specifically. Yeah, I knew who you were hosting with. Couldn't even remember the guy's name. I, I, I had maybe it was Harry. I, it I, was Harry. I have I had no idea who Mitchell Trubisky was until maybe two weeks or whatever before the draft. Eight and five and thirteen games in North Carolina. Why would you know who he was? Yeah. But then he started shooting up the draft boards. So for me, it's and if you go back, a lot of people had Trubisky won. but as more information has come out. We've learned that Ryan Pace didn't even talk or meet with Deshaun Watson. Which is just indefensible. Which people are going off on Twitter tonight about. Who is Dan DeYoung? Former Wisconsin Lutheran College tight end. He's got 2,300 followers on Twitter. He's got 728 likes and 144 retweets. On Deshaun Watson, got sacked seven times and still won against a great team. Great quarterbacks can overcome poor offensive line play. I think the people defending Trubisky need to realize that. Hashtag Bears, hashtag Bears 100, and everybody wants to retweet a guy they probably never heard of until then, which is very cool, by the way, Dan. People do that with me all the time. You're I mean, it's a, good, it's a good point, but I'll say this. Nobody's defending Trubisky anymore. Very few. Very few. Very few. I mean, there's a difference between defending it, defending him, and bringing a certain perspective to the entire situation. Tyler, yeah, yeah, right. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody's defending him. Like, no, he's good. He's good. It's just a bad offensive line. No, 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 no. Well, there's one. He's got to get much better. There's one guy defending him. Who? That'd be Ryan Pace. That's good. We're, we're not there yet. <laughs> I mean, if you're Ryan Pace, though, what do you say in that regard? We listen, Mitch. I, 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 I'll tell you what. Ask me the question. Ask me. Uh, let me be Pace. Okay. Go, go ahead. How would you evaluate where Mitch Trubisky is at right now? Well, we're disappointed right now, um, and so is Mitch. And we know that he's got to get better. And we're hoping that next year is is Mitch's great, his best year, obviously. And we feel that we need to do more to help the quarterback. And we also feel that Mitch is going to have to take a huge step forward. So this offseason is absolutely enormous for him. That's what Ryan Pace would say or what you think he should have that's said? That's what he should have said. Just yeah, like that. I think that's a good response. Yeah. I mean, and then you could follow up. Is he your, is he your starter on uh, week one? On week one. Or I would ask this question. Are you bringing in competition for Mitch? We, I would flat out ask him that question. Well, Chase Daniel and, and Tyler Bray are both free agents. We expect there was going to be some turnover in our quarterback room. So, yes, uh, and we're not going to bring in here somebody. And he'll throw it. They'd probably throw it in a, uh explore all options situation. Yeah, and listen, will you draft a quarterback? Yes, we should have drafted one last year with Gardner Minshew, and we didn't. He went in the sixth round, and that would have been a sweet guy to step in instead of Chase Daniel uh, when Mitch went down. But we didn't do that because we cater to our quarterback because we're afraid that he's going to break, which is incredibly ridiculous, by ne- the way. Next qu- are we going to a caller here? No, well, uh, next question for yeah, me to Yeah, please, pace. please, go ahead. 
Um, I already forgot. No, I got distracted. Yeah, no, I'll, um, I'll be, I'll be, re- I'll be real. Ryan Pace again. Real how Ryan I, Pace. How I would answer. And I'll go be ahead. Kevin Pollard, WGN yeah, Sports go. Reporter. What was the primary reason the offense failed this year? The, if you're, you're looking for one reason, it's very hard to do. What was, Kevin, what good, was, good question though. And the primary reason is that we flat out didn't make enough plays. Now, why did we not make enough plays? We didn't. There is no one reason for that. We didn't protect well. We were. We had inconsistent play from Mitch. We didn't run the ball consistently, and. Namely, I'm looking at myself in the mirror. Uh, we had some talent deficiencies on the roster that I, quite frankly, did not set up Matt and or Mitch for great success this year, and I'm going to hopefully do my job a lot better this offseason. Next question. Do you... How would I put this? Do you, Will you guys have another coach call the plays next year? Matt Nagy is, the, is our head coach. He's going to be here next year. And I will get with Matt on what he wants to do moving forward, but my expectations are that we will have some level of adjustment with how our coaching staff will function so they'll be the most successful they can possibly be. Starting to get generic now. Was that too generic? Well, i got to be generic on pace. I mean, I, may, oh, maybe I don't have to be generic because I'm doing it how I would do it. But, I, but you're asking, that's a tough question. If I'm Ryan Pace and somebody's asking me, am I going to... Look, look. I think that Matt isn't... Here, how, let me answer it better. Let me be more honest. I think that Matt is an incredible leader. I think that the locker room buys in 100%. But we are going to discuss whether or not he should be calling the plays. Because maybe we would function better if he was not in that position. But that's a, that's a discussion that we're going to have. So How's that better? Does that work? Sure. A listener texting, it always goes back to Mitch. I remember exactly where I was. Where you were... Know, center. I was going to get... I swear I remember where I was. It was up... It, right across the street from Gibson's at a suit a suit store, meeting my buddies, we were all getting fitted for a, a wedding we were all going to be in. That, I'm assuming that I had to have been on the air when it happened. I don't remember. No, it was, no, it was Hogan and Kaufman. Hogan, Kaufman. Oh, it was on a Thursday night. That's right. So it was, uh, okay. I was, probably watching, I was probably watching the Bulls. Brutal. <laughs> uh, Matt is an Uber driver. He wants to fight with you, Kevin. He's not happy with me. Uh, Matt. It wasn't personal, Matt. Matt. Go ahead, go ahead, Kevin. Why should uh, what what what? I went on a rant about Uber and ride sharing and how there's so many of them downtown and the city's trying to do something to alleviate some of the congestion. Matt, your thoughts? Are you mad at me? First of all, uh, <laughs> you guys are doing a great job. Hey, Carm, how you doing? Matt, good to hear you. Uh, You're my favorite Uber driver. You know this. Thank you. Uh, that being said, Kevin. Did- <laughs> Did Roe take over your brain because you sound more and more like him every day? Look, <laughs> thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. He, he, well, it, it, it's meant to be, but you, you, you're starting to get with the. Uh, I can't believe this is happening. I don't know what to do, <laughs> boys. So, look here. Here's the thing. Uh, I do agree that Wacker Drive is I. That I will agree with you wholeheartedly on. Water Drive is like walking through a car war zone. It, it It's just insane. People are everywhere. Things get clogged. Yes. But there's a very good amount of us Uber and Lyft drivers who don't park willy-nilly, who don't, like, park on the sidewalk and expect people to 
uh, walk to a designated part of the street where you're supposed to get in. Now, I will tell you, there are times when I'm at a light, and all of a sudden somebody will knock on my window, and they're, I'm like, who are you? And they go, oh, no, we walked over to you. And the light's changing, and I've got these people trying to get into my car while the light's well, I've got people honking at me. I can't control what those people do. So it, it's a two. It, it it goes both ways. As a consumer of our product, there are certain rules that you have to obey, and certain common sense things that we hope that you listen to and follow. And if we, if you guys don't do that. It's not our fault. Matt, are you, wor- are you worried that the taxes are going to impact you, that less people will ride and your, your income is going to go down? Oh, tremendously. I, 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 I don't even worry about it. I know that for a fact. Yeah, I mean, I obviously because, wasn't saying that all Uber drivers are bad, but I'm just... I, well, let me ask you this then, because if you agree with me on Wacker, and I take Wacker a lot, try to get on lower Wacker, because Upper becomes, as you said, a car war zone. Um well, what can be look? I and this is nothing against ride sharing as a whole. I take Ubers all the time. I took an Uber today from my home to the train station. I'm just trying to figure out downtown, and like as you said, because I think there are some that and and you're right because I can already see it. Somebody's in the back seat, and like oh no, no, stop right here, and then they just run out of the car. There's nothing like with cabs. There has to be a transaction, so they pull over and there's a transaction, which sometimes I forget now when I'm in a cab because I start getting out of the car. <laughs> I'm like oh that's right, it's not a ride share. But so what, Matt? Well, you, as an Uber driver, what do you think could be done, if anything, to alleviate some of the congestion down in downtown Chicago? There's a lot of hotels that are starting to set up specific, like, Uber and Lyft drop-off and pick-up points, like the Sheridan over on uh, across the street from NBC Tower. Yep. They've got specific places where you're supposed to pick up and drop off. So that's where we sit, Navy Pier, as a place where you can pick up and drop off. Now, they've moved it three times, which is confusing for people, but it still exists. Uh the hotel, I know it depends on the building, of course, but let's just say uh, with you guys, uh, I, I know you guys are next to London, uh, not London House, the Swiss Hotel. So you guys, the Swiss Hotel slash WGN Tower, I'll call it, uh, should have respective Uber pickup and drop-off points. Mm-hmm. So these businesses just need to start making things easier for yeah. Well, we're seeing it too with like uh, with with sporting events too. When there is a you know mass exodus of thousands of people outside of the stadium. But to your point, Matt, okay, you you made a great point when it comes to the actual consumer, the p- person in the car, how they're acting. Because so United Center turned one of their lots into an Uber lot, which is where all the Ubers are supposed to go. And I don't want to give the wrong lot number, but it's it's on the website. So the first day they rolled it out, I'm driving down Madison, and there's a line to get into the Uber lot. So what are people doing? They're jumping out of the car while they're on Madison stuck in traffic. And then that turns into a thing. So, all right. I was a little too harsh on the ride-sharing drivers, Matt. I'll give you a break. And I think us as consumers also need to be better. But it just has been very frustrating seeing how... I mean, and some Uber drivers are very aggressive. And they're looking at GPS and they cut across lanes and they cut across people. But there are dumb drivers everywhere. But you made some great points, Matt. I'll be less harsh on the Uber drivers. Matt, I'm with you. Kevin was a complete jerk and, <laughs> and, and should be. Um, thank you for calling up and admonishing him.
Of course. And before I let you go, Kevin, as my Christmas gift to you, I'll give you my best bro impersonation. Oh, God. Oh, oh, what's happening? Oh, the snow. Why? Anyway, much love, everyone. Have a good Happy one. New Year, See man. you, Matt. All right. It's Lottie at, the, Lottie at the United Center, by the way. Lottie, there we go. Yeah, they paid a bunch of dough for that. All right, coming on back here. What do you want to see from your sporting teams in 2020? We'll do that. Uh, taking up at 10 o'clock, 720 WGN. 923, 14-13, Titans leading the New England Patriots. They are in the third quarter in New England. I loved New England tonight, and maybe I'm going to be proven wrong here. But I still think Tom Brady and company are going to pull it out. All right, KP and me, Mark Harmon, Kevin Powell with you till the top of the hour. Things you want to see from your sports teams in 2020 as we are in the first weekend after the new year. We're setting a vision for the Bulls, the Blackhawks, the Bears, the White Sox, and the Cubs. KP, I want you to set a vision first. I'll go with Cubs first. Oh, all right, let's see. What do you want to see? And by the way, your calls are welcome here. 312-981-7200. What do you want to see from the Chicago Cubs in 2020? I want to see the Cubs in 2020 find a way to lock up Chris Bryant long-term and commit to the third baseman. Mm, that'd be so nice. That'd be good. What about Rizzo? Should Rizzo get a long-term deal? You just want K- you'd be you'd be satisfied well, with KB. Well, just because of the situation with the grievance and everything, and where that's headed, I feel like that needs to be settled. That needs to be figured out. Rizzo free agent after next season. They've got some really tough decisions to make. So Rizzo, what would you give him? Like a five year? He's thirty. He is. Uh, let me double check here. Let me double. He's thirty on the button. Yep. What am I giving Anthony Rizzo? Would you give him like a four-year? Trying to think a realistic one though, because what would he even get at thirty-one? Four-year, eighty-five. Not that much. You don't think so? Twenty a year for Rizzo. Twenty-one a year. I think he gets that. Leader, left-handed hitter, thirty-bomb guy. Every single season, he drives in a hundred. I think he's getting twenty to twenty-five. Four and seventy-five. Four and. I want four and eighty-one. Done. Here you go, Anthony. Fine, done. You're, you're 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 in. Let's go. Everything he's meant to you, the organization. You, you pay, I, I, that that was the weirdest part of the offseason for him. The Cubs are not willing to have a conversation with Anthony Rizzo. What? You're not going to sign Rizzo, or even have a conversation? Like we're just putting that one off? Is are, are things really that bad? I think it's because it felt like think things were getting complacent last year. So now we're going to punish Rizzo? No, I'm not saying punish him, but maybe timing. Timing does seem like a thing. While the Bryant grievance situation is unfolding, all of a sudden you give Rizzo a deal. Probably not a great look for them in any sort of contract negotiations. So here's a here's what I want to see with the Chicago Cubs. I want them to play. I want them to. Be, let themselves be led by David Ross. However, if things go sideways, and this really is a step-back season, I want the Cubs to be extremely aggressive at the trade deadline. John Lester, free agent at the end of the year. Jose Quintana. I would love to see, if it's really going to be a step-back year, multiple deals at the deadline and a revamping of the farm system and start playing it forward. I wouldn't even mind seeing it right now. If somebody wanted to overpay for Jose Quintana right now, done. 
I'm willing. Nobody's overpaying for Jose Quintana right now. What would probably not? What would it? What would it? T- you know what I'd also like to see? I'd like to see them trade Jason Hayward. No one's going to take Jason Hayward's contract. So attach him with somebody that something that someone wants. Like Kyle what would Schwarber? It, sure, Schwarber. Uh, yeah, like if you're going to deal Schwarber, then I want Hayward included in it. Yeah, but what team wants that? Jason Hayward's not the worst player of all time. <laughs> yeah, worst player. He's you know four years left, a little over twenty a year, and you get Schwarbs, and I'll take back a bag of balls. Let's get some financial flexibility. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. Where who do you want to move on to? Let's go Chicago Bears. Okay, we will go to the Bears. What do you want to see from the Chicago Bears in twenty twenty? Well, I will state the obvious. I would like to see the Bears bring in some security at the quarterback position. So if Mitchell Trubisky goes sideways, uh, they have some level of backup that can step in. But more importantly than that, I want them to go and draft a quarterback. Spend one of your picks. It doesn't have to be number 43. It doesn't have to be number 50. they got two picks in the second round. That's their only two picks in the top 100. It doesn't have to be one of those two. I'm not asking for that. I'm asking you to take a flyer in one of the later rounds on a quarterback, Ryan Pace. By the way, Bulls and Celtics just went final. The United Center Bulls lose 111-104. That is their third straight. They're 10 games under. Go ahead. Why are the Bulls one-point favorites in that game? Uh, you, you nailed that one. That was easy money. I know. But it's always like when something like that pops up, it's like this has got to be... It's right, something going on. Somebody's right. sick. Yeah. Um, I want to see a concerted effort by Ryan Pace, by Matt Nagy, by Mitch Trubisky, and specifically to Pace and Nagy, to do everything they possibly can to help make Mitch Trubisky even just an average quarterback. I'm not even asking for a top 10 Bears offense. I'm asking for them to look themselves in the mirror, admit that what they were doing was wrong, admit whatever they were doing was wrong, and move on and develop a new game plan. Whatever that takes. If that takes Matt Nagy abandoning his roots of more of the spread-type option run and moving to a power offense and watching the Titans here hand it off to Derrick Henry a thousand times and scoring touchdowns on the Patriots' defense, it, if it comes down to that, relinquish the stubbornness that apparently resides in Hallis Hall and admit to yourself... That something has to change. Because if they go into next year with the same old game plan and Mitch is going to turn a corner, it's just not going to happen. I feel like we're in Mystic River. Admit what you did. Admit what you did. Admit what you did. Admit what you did. (laughs) I did not kill Katie. Great movie. Great movie. Tremendous performance. That's like a Shawshank situation if Mystic River's on your watch. I, 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 yeah. Give me back my daughter. That's my daughter in there. It's so intense, though. So like, intense. like I, I'll scroll, Pat, I'll, phenomenal. I'll scroll through it on Netflix and be like, I could watch Mystic River. I can't do it. It's way too can't much. Can't do it. Super sad. Did you watch Don't F with Cats? By the way, do you get do you get Netflix? Yeah. What is that? It is unbelievable. Curtis, you watch it? Have you heard of it? Did I talk about this you, while we were together yeah, before? When we were together once before, you were talking about it, but I have not seen it since. It's unbelievable. KP. Hunting an internet killer. Yes. Is this a is this a documentary? Real story. Three three part episode. It's unbelievable. <sighs> I don't know if I want to watch this. Too 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 intense. I watched that and I watched another super intense one the last couple of days. I watched The Bridge, which is a documentary on the Golden Gate Bridge, 
which like apparently 50 people jump off a year. Just wow. ca- call it a career. Really? They go to the bridge. And these people filmed the bridge. For and, a year? For a year. And then they went and took got the stories around the people that they saw jump. And the film, the cameras caught them jumping? Yep. How high up is that? High enough that it ain't, you, you ain't going to survive. Although one dude did. Really? He was on his way down, and he was like, as he was on his way down, he's like, I don't want to leave the world right now. So he sort of like righted himself up and like just hoped that if he went in straight, he would survive. Uh-huh. And, I mean, he called it an act of God that he survived it. What did, how many bones did he break? He, he's, he had like, a, I think from his, like part of his vertebrae or his spine... <sighs> didn't you okay know, that's enough yeah but he but he that's wild yeah it's you got to watch the great hack by the way i haven't seen that one watch that one uh, okay moving on are we moving off the bears no, let's well, well what did you say for you didn't even see oh, you, i i said the i said the basic stuff but i i also you know what i you know what i would like to see for the chicago bears i would here's my my one thing on the defensive side i would like to see them be a lot more creative with khalil mack he doesn't need to line up it's a good one Always in the same spot. Let him move around like they do with many edge rushers in the game, especially Zadarius Smith up in Green Bay. They move him all over the place. They let him roam and pick where he wants to rush him. Like I would give him more freedom. I think that could make a big difference. Um, all right, and they've got to get production um, from the other side of the defensive line. Yeah, Leonard Floyd. Can't I mean, Leonard have- Floyd has not panned out the way we thought he could. He can't have three sacks again, and two of them, by the way, came on opening day, and he had won the rest of the final 15 games. That, yeah. That's just not good. All right, uh, coming on back here with what we want for our other three teams. We've hit the Bears, and we've hit the Cubs. That leaves us the White Sox, the Blackhawks, and the Bulls. That's next, 720 WGN. 312-981-7200. Mark Harmon, Kevin Powell. Somebody texting in about the bridge. I was in San Francisco in October. You can't jump off the bridge anymore. It's all fenced with the curve fencing at the top. I would that sounds like an accurate text. The documentary on YouTube is still available if you want to do that with your life. I don't know why me and my beautiful wife just sat there and held hands and watched the bridge for two hours on <laughs> last Sunday night, but we did. Uh, Tay, taxi driver Bob, what's up, my friend? Welcome to WGN. Hey, hey happy New Year, you term. You too, taxi. And um, a, a couple of things that you mentioned so far, the two teams that you mentioned. One, the Cubs. Yeah. I think that I, I'm, I'm hoping, being that they got David Ross as the manager, the Blackhawks have ta- have had and have, I, I don't know if Duncan's going to you know be around or whatever, but he's been, but Duncan, Taze, and Kaner have been the core of the Blackhawks. And with the Cubs, I really think that Baez, Rizzo, and Bryant um, I, I really hope that they do keep Brian. He did have an off year, but I think that that it, for the Cubs is the, their, their core group. And as far as um, Schwarbs and and um, and the right field, they're uh, slipping my mind now. Jason Hayward. Um, Hayward, I think they should uh, work a, a package deal for those two guys. Um, so I, I mean, I really feel I, I hope that they keep Brian, and I hope they keep that core. As David Ross does have. Uh, great, you know, communication with those three guys, and I think that he could 
he could bring out the best in all three of those guys, and they really, um, I think, could you know are are, are going to keep the Cubs going in the right direction. Taxi as driver, as, can I hold on a second? Guys, I, yeah. I just want to jump on this because I'm yeah. I'm a big fan of David Ross. Check out the On the Mark podcast. Had a great conversation with him. Love David Ross. You don't think that Joe Madden was did a good job getting guys motivated to play, and that they, you know, were ready to perform with uh, with seventy on the top step of the dugout. I, I, I think he did, I think he did, but I think that David Ross. Um, I I think that some people some people think that. Um, David Ross didn't play as key of a role as he did in the in their World Series thing. I think he really kept the chemistry going on that team and was able to communicate with those guys um, really well. And I think he did a lot of things in the dugout with those guys and, and in the clubhouse. That's true. Um, okay. That that kept those guys going, and and I think that uh, uh, some people underestimate um, what David Ross did for that team as far as keeping everything going in a positive direction when they did go down and when they did have slumps and and uh, with managing Lester as far as you know keeping him going in the right direction and all that stuff. But right. I also wanted to make a mention uh, before I go about the Bears. I think it's really important that they revamp the offensive line. I'm I'm so done with Leno. I mean, he's always good for two or three penalties a game. Enough's enough with that guy already. He's too too many penalties and they let's let's try to give let's let's bring in a potentially a Cam Newton That's to back up Trubisky. Yeah, no, and and Bob, I love you. That's not gonna happen. Cam Newton's not coming here. Appreciate the phone call. Um but I, they're not bringing in Cam Newton. He's going to be in Carolina, and they do need to revamp the offensive line. You're no absolutely right. That. All right, Kevin, let's move along. Who we who we taking on next? Bulls, Blackhawks, and the Chicago White Sox. I'll go. I'll still go with White Sox. Something positive, easiest play. Like it. Yeah. What do you want to see for the play. White Sox? I want to see a division championship. Mm-hmm. And I think they've put themselves in a position where that's a real possibility. All right, now the division championship is is a, is a for sure, but something <laughs> <It's a> for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, it's for sure is like you want to see. I'm just thinking oh. of like specifically what do I want to see as I. This is this you know is what the, I and I, I would say I'll give you two specifics. So I want to see the the big arms Kopech and Cease have a good year, make some growth because Co- those are ton of talent, still question marks, though. Yeah, that is that is the biggest thing that you want to see, I would agree. You want to see the rotation start to solidify itself so you actually know that you're going to have a sustained run. I would also say this. You know, when, when, the, when the Cubs made their play to go from rebuilding to actually contending, there was a lot of talk about don't let the pressure exceed the pleasure and all that type of stuff and embrace the target. Well, we're not there yet for the White Sox. I mean, the Cubs did that going into 2016 after they got to the NLCS. But there is going to be some expectations on the South side yeah. that, that weren't there before. So I'd like to hear some excited conversation about that coming up spring training and everything else as far as getting... You know, we are excited to do it now, and we look forward to the pressure of actually being able to compete with the Twins and whoever else and win the AL Central. I'd like to hear some of that discussion coming up to start the year. Okay. Embrace the fact that 
you are now on a completely different level and you're no longer in a rebuild. I would enjoy that. I like that. Hey, two weeks, Sox Fest. Maybe we can talk to some of those guys, get some good solid yes, interviews. Yes, full, full, let's, we'll go full harassment of every single person that goes comes to the doors at the Hilton. Uh, all right, it's time for the Bulls. We'll leave the Blackhawks for last. I would like to see... The Chicago Bulls. I don't even know, Carm. Because when people ask me about Bulls, I'm like, I don't know. They just stink. They're well, awful. They're 13-23. and 23. Pathetic. They're on pace for... Let's, what are they on pace for? It's... All right, this is what I want to see with the Bulls. Can yeah, because you're the Bulls guy here. You're the basketball dude. Uh, Jim Boylan, maybe a coaching change? Let's see. No, I mean, sure... Sure. That wouldn't. I, I like Jim Boylan. I don't think he's the right guy long term. Nice guy. A little bit out over his skis. What would I like to see with the Bulls? I'll go way off the board here, KP. Yeah. I'll take a guy who was drafted in the second round out of Arkansas. He's a rookie. He's averaging four and a half points a game, a couple of rebounds, can't get on the court. I want more minutes the rest of the year for Daniel Gafford. That's all I'm asking for. Give me more minutes for the big man Gafford. I mean, let him I, bounce around out there. I mean, don't take this the wrong way, but I pretty much zoned out for the past 60 seconds. That's how little interest I have in the Bulls right now. I want to see Thaddeus Young on the trade market. I want to see him moved along for a second round pick in 2026. I want to see. I want to see. I don't want. To, I want to be on Sports Talk Live one more time this year and have not have somebody bring up Otto Porter Jr. and tell me how good he is. Yeah, why does he? I. That's interesting. You say that every time I'm on there. Some somebody yesterday it was I forget who was. Uh, it was Gabe. Gabe Ramirez over who does radio over at B96. He's he's telling me how great. I, well, I want to get Otto Porter. Otto Porter. Otto Porter Jr. I'd rather have Kevin Powell running around. You can, hit, you can hit a baseline jump shot. Easy. A right? scra- scrappy player. Right. Get some rebounds, do the dirty work for you. He's played nine games this year, Otto Porter Jr. Uh, but I, I, in, in, to actually answer the question, really, I'd like to see Laurie Markin and take a huge step forward in the second half of the season. He's been playing great as of late. I would that's That would be my thing for the Bulls. Markin has got to move forward. Individual growth. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Took me a while to get there and actually figure out what I wanted, but I finally did. Let's go with the Blackhawks. Okay. What I want to see from the Blackhawks is for – because I actually think there's enough talent there for this team to be competing for the playoffs. I do. I would like to see – kind of a boring answer, but more consistency. Because sometimes they play two great periods and then they fall apart. Or sometimes the offense has a great output and the defense falls apart. And I understand last year we could always just point to Jeremy Collinwell. It's a new system, blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's been over a year now. And we've seen flashes of it this season. We have. So I would just say more complete games from the Blackhawks. Because I think if they play complete games, I think they can win a good amount and be in the conversation for the playoffs. I'm going to go off the board here. Okay. You know, just as uh, as Carm over here, always following the Instagram and the Twitter and seeing the amazing photos of KP and Roe and Lapka. Yeah, we go to a lot of games. Back in the day, Anna. Back in the day, Anna. <laughs> just a four lot, just sitting there front row on the glass. Yeah. I just, I, I, for for the for the rest of this year, I, I want, I want Carm 
to be bequeathed one ticket in the 100 level so I can enjoy a Blackhawks game. Dude, you work here. Just go ask for tickets. Before the end of 20. I, I want I wanted to. I don't want to ask. I wanted to oh, do, you want I, someone to deliver? I just wanted to come to me. Just come to car. Just go to the WGM box. No, no, I don't want to. Sit, I don't want to sit in the box. I want to sit with the people. The wanna, box is sweet because you get the free I've, food and booze. I've been in the box. Don't and it's great, fantastic, love it. But I, I'd rather I want to. I want a low down seat. I want to see the speed of the game right in front of me. Just enjoy myself some Blackhawks hockey. I'll tell you, my, we have four tickets in one particular section. Yeah, and they're my favorite seats in in the stadium. One twenty. Yeah. Right. The best. Right not, above the glass. You're high enough up. Right. Great angle. Consume the game in, in an unbelievable way. Incredible experience. Easy access to the seats. Easy. In and out of the tunnel, onto the concourse. Right. Beer vendor right around the corner. Exactly. It's money all around. Abe Rapu is right there for you. He's, he's ready to sell. Tony Donato is, is he's, he's, he's hooking you up. Fellow vendors. Fellow these, vendors. These, are, these are some of my people. Yes. It, they're, the best, they're the best seats. That that seat is a ridiculous seat. It's it's phenomenal. Right. I'd also like to have that for my Bulls resolution. I'd like a nice seat in the third row. I went to centered. a Bulls game last year. Have you ever sat close? I've never. I so courtside Bulls like when they're good. Uh, someone will probably offer tickets when they're just awful. So maybe this year, still probably awesome. Um, for a guy like you who doesn't really love the NBA, if they if you got seats in the first five rows of a good game, it changes the whole dynamic. It's so much. It's so much better sitting up top. Well, for basketball, you can't see. You anything. might as well not even pay. Anything. I mean, I enjoyed. We said I had great seats to a game last year. The problem was I felt like I was watching a JV basketball game. It was just some of the most. It was some of the most pathetic basketball I've seen. Guys were kicking the ball around, throwing it into the seats. I went to a DePaul game last week with John Williams, who's a diehard college basketball fan, and that was an awesome experience. John, John Williams is a diehard college hoop fan. Oh yeah, you should talk college hoops with him. Sometimes he tries to talk to me about these obscure random college basketball. I'm like, I did, sorry, I didn't see I, that one, John. I'm, I'm, I'm but have, he goes to like every DePaul game. All right, I'm gonna have to tee and, that one up. And uh, we got to get him out to Northwestern, man. Let him let him sit next to uh, David. Which, speaking of Wildcats and the Minnesota Golden Gophers tomorrow night, six thirty. Dave and Joey on the call. All right, we'll come back and wrap around up here. They're in the deep in the third quarter. Patriots and Titans. And uh, we'll get you ready for your Sunday sports action as well. Carl and Lisa coming up at 10, 720 WGN. 312-981-7200. That is the text line. KP, we're getting suggestions on what to do after the show. And it says, hi, guys. You should get some hot dogs and go see Adam Sandler's movie, Uncut Gems. Great BB scene. I'm assuming that's basketball. Yeah. Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it, but it's supposed to be outstanding. And Adam Sandler might get some Oscar consideration. So I love the preview. My wife is actually seeing that with her brother tonight. Ooh, bummer. Yeah, she's not going to talk about it when you get home, and you're not going to want to talk about it. No spoiler alerts. Apparently there's a crazy ending to the movie. She, she did not know that the, the WGN Sports Central was moving to the 6 to 10 slot. Gotcha. So she, she so thrilled about that? So she asked me today, she's like, can we go see a movie tonight? I am I am working. This is via text. And she's like, at night? It's over. It's you know we used to be done seven o'clock or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm working till ten, and then I just see like the look and then then and then the the, the tears. <laughs> there were tears. I mean, I'm just you know I'm that just fun to be with KP. That it, it's emotional when you don't get to hang out with me on a Sunday, a Saturday. I said, hey, well let's let's get up in the morning. We'll have a coffee, get some bagels going on, fire up the locks, get a little chive cheese. Oh wow! I was admonished. This morning, 
I went out and got the I went out and got the bagels. Wow. Where's your go-to bagel? I go to New York, Lincoln and Tui. Okay. Great spot, but the, but this morning didn't have the full energy, so just went over to the New York bagel on uh Wells, no, I'm sorry, North and Sheffield. Okay. Decent spot. And uh so I brought, you know, she wants a couple bagels, cream cheese. Do you, do you go chive cream cheese? So that was the that was the thing. Got to go chive cream cheese. So I brought back the plain cream cheese because yeah. I you can't you can't go wrong with a plain. I like a plain too. I mean, if plain's great. You can you can eat it right out of the thing. It's so good. If, if you're going tomato and onion, you got a lox on there. You don't need a chive. So I thought it was a safer play. And so I you brought, just get both. You got to get both. Well, but it was it's only me and her. And you know, we're not even going to finish that container. I, I I walk in. I got the container. She's like, you got plain cream cheese. Oh boy. You don't even, and then it turns into, then it turned into like you don't even know me. I would never ever get plain cream cheese. We've been da- we've been dating for three years. We just got married, and you don't know. I'm, and so now, like, look, I just went out into the into the wilderness. Yeah. It's cold out there. I'm bringing back bagels. Put your life on the line. You were hanging out on the couch, living the dream, doing nothing. Here I was, you know, make trying to make a great morning, and I get it. I, I and just got blasted. That's a tough look. And I'm like, I, I'm not. I'm not going to apologize for that. Um, I would love to see Uncut Gems. I did see Richard Jewell. Did you see that? No, but that's another one of like a thousand things I've got to get to. The fan? Huge. Yeah. Clint delivers again, huh? Clint delivered. I walked out of there full tears. Little, 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 little emotional. Karma's getting softer as, as we get older here. Uh, all right. 14-13, Titans are up one with the football in the fourth quarter. This could be the end of the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick era, going out at home to a Tennessee Titans team. That would be incredible. Bulls lose to the Celtics at the United Center. They've dropped their last three. What's the laughter? <laughs> you're just like, you're like, that would be incredible. Just keep going. Forget it. I was just laughing to myself. Yeah, well, it, it to lose to the Titans at home? I know. This has been the, one of the greatest dynasties of all time. I had the same. I had this conversation earlier this week. Like, I wanted the Bulls to lose it on the court, not to dismantle the team after '98. Like, if Michael and isn't Scott, it almost better the way it ended though? Well, that's what that was the argument. That it's better this way. Wow. And I look. You you know what you do when you go to the park and you hoop when you're young. Mm-hmm. You stay on the court until you're defeated or the sun goes down and everybody goes home. And I always left the park defeated. But some dudes didn't. They just own the court all they, day. You own the court. You got your crew out there. You, you run all day. You go home. You dominated. And then you come back the next day and you play your same team. And eventually you get knocked out. This would There's there's an integrity to that. 773 texting Brady to sign a two-year contract with the Bears. I don't think so. But I do think he's going to play. And I think he'll probably go play for the... L.A. Chargers, where he'll have more weapons than he has with the New England Patriots. He, it, it would actually be a step up for him. Would you? Will you miss the Patriots dynasty if this is actually the end? <sighs> no, no, I'm kind of ready for it to be over. I, I respect the hell out of it. I mean, to have that sort of success in anything for that and that kind of success for 20 years is pretty damn impressive. So I respect him. I know you don't like him. You call him cheaters, et cetera. I guess I would be saying more for the Brady. I'll be sad when Brady's done playing. I'll be a little bummed. I was bummed when Peyton Manning ended his career. Right. 
Well, why would you be happy to see a guy like that stop? I, We're watching one of the greatest players of all time. It's I com- awesome. I completely agree. I understand it sucks because the Bears are awful every year, and we have to watch the Patriots hoist another Lombardi trophy. But eh, you got to respect it. I've been fortunate enough to cover the Super Bowl for a couple of years now. Went up in Minnesota, they were there. And then last year in Atlanta, they were there. I'm going to Miami this year. Yeah, Being completely selfish, I'd rather have a different storyline, but I don't want them to be going away. Can we go to Beth on line one who has a similar story as to you and your cream cheese saga? Oh, boy. All right, Beth. Welcome to WGN. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like relationship advice. Hey, Tom. Hey, Beth. Um, so I, I explained that my husband and I have been married for like 20 years. Uh-huh. In the morning, but he doesn't leave half a cup of black cold coffee, I he's breaking up with me. Wait, wait, wait. You, but you don't have a great. We don't have a great cell reception here, Kevin. Did you understand what she just said? Wait, so her husband forgets the coffee and she threatens to break up with him. Did I get that right? No, 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 no. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we got you. Go ahead. How about this? That's perfect, Beth. Now it's not perfect. It's not perfect. Good effort. You gave it. You gave it your all, Beth. The point is that here. This is the point. Us men, we're doing our best. If if your if your if your husband and or boyfriend goes out and he, and he and he brings you the coffee, but he didn't, but he forgot the sugar or he forgot the cream, it's not personal. He's just he's just not. Maybe he's stressed about something. He's thinking about something else. He's his, his attention to detail is weak, but that doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Right. I you know if if it's if it's a plain cream cheese or a chive cheese. Does it really matter? Yeah. It's all about love, man. Give karma a break. I need to avoid the relationship thing for a while. I don't need this kind of heat. Getting yelled at over chive cream cheese. It's not easy out there, KP. It's not easy out there, KP. Karma's been married for like two weeks. I mean, uh, you, you wake up in the morning on a Saturday, you want to do the right thing, and uh, you screwed it up. And, and you, Did you, she eat you, it? You, yeah, she ate it. She's staring you down the whole time. I mean, it, I mean, it was a straight scowl. Wow. Like, plain cream cheese. Plain cream cheese. Yes, plain cream cheese. Car- chive cream cheese so much better though, Carm. Yeah, the, the, but uh, with the locks and the fixings, I agree. Regular cream cheese is probably actually better. Right. It's almost it, too much flavor going right, on. With the right. Chive. Right. Right. See. Yeah. But I I just get both. Just get both. Just get both. But it's, you know, container cream cheese is like five bucks and it's like super, you know, you don't need all that cream cheese in the house. Eat bagels two days in a row then. Don't want to go too crazy on the bagels. Trying to take a off a lot of, of carb for sure. Trying to carb. take off a of five pounds. Uh, all right. Thank yous tonight to a bunch of people, including uh, KP. Way to, way, to, way, to, way to roll for five hours. We had Jason Benetti on the show today. We had Sam Smith. We had Kevin Fishbane. And we had young Gavin Hagelier, um, who was 15 years old, playing with high school basketball, playing high school hoop for with Wabon- with with one hand over at Wabonzi. Over at Wabonzi's team had a tough loss today, but they're five and three, off to a great start. And uh, that that was that was a fun conversation to have. We've also, I think, we've made our sports teams better tonight, KP. Yeah, I, we did. What do we want to see from the Chicago sports scene in twenty twenty? Forecasting forward, and I'm sure all general managers were listening, taking notes from WGN Sports Central. I got a t- I got a text from John Paxson over here, and uh, he's he's very much on board with more plays being run 
for Lowry Market in fourth and fourteen KP in the football game with five twenty eight to go. I see you. I see you. I've never seen Bill Belichick that fired up before. He was giving it to the ref. Stress is on here. He just looks like an evil genius, doesn't he? Well, you know, as as we're as we're get get you ready for Carl and Lisa here, the Patriots are going to get the football with under five minutes to go here, deep in their own territory, down a point. Can they go down the field? TB twelve time and keep it alive. Their offense stinks. He doesn't have any help, man. I know. He just doesn't have any help. All right. Uh, Carl and Lisa are coming up here. KP, great to see you. All right. Thank you, sir. Happy New Year. Northwestern basketball tomorrow. So we'll talk to you for some sports at that point. And uh, have a great, great rest of your Saturday night news right around the corner on 720 WGN.